Hello and welcome to another episode of Video Game Logic. Today's show was recorded on March the 20th, 2018. I'm your host, gaming psychologist, and with me, as always, the person I go crazy for. Caffeine Rage. On today's show, we will, of course, be discussing the games that we've played this week. We're going to be talking about Star Wars Battlefront 2's new progression system. We're going to discuss the changes that might be coming to the Humble Monthly. Will Wright returns to game development with the mobile title Proxy. PUBG is possibly working on region locking. Atari reveals information on a new console. We'll be having our weekly community quarter with a letter from Kyle this week and our Steam weekly discovery queue. Timestamps will be in the show notes following their respective topics. Hello, Rach. Hello. I see Crash um, doesn't get a mention. <laughs> well, I was going to save that as a surprise. Well, didn't, he, uh, didn't we mention it uh, last time around? Uh, because it was, uh, well, not last week, but the week before uh, in the tweet. Uh, Kyle was talking about I, it. Maybe? I don't remember. It all just becomes a blur, but I remember Kyle talking about uh, Crash taking a while to record for some reason. Yeah, you know, his alter ego. It just doesn't want to come out sometimes. His split personality. Yeah, you're um, going to make so many Steam training cards off of him. <laughs> Hopefully. I could use a few. My, my trading card uh, pile is empty. I've sold them all and bought things with the spoils. Uh, yeah, I'm uh, slowly uh, building up again. And if, uh, well, assuming the game that comes out uh, looks uh, is as good as it looks, I'm going to be spending it all in the coming oh, month or so. Oh, would that game happen to be the uh, Mech Warrior game? Possibly. Probably. <laughs> Man, I really hope that's good. That's the game this year that I really, really, really want to be good. Yeah, I guess we're going to have to see, though, because, yeah, we're still a ways away from it. Actually, are you talking about the Battletech one or the Mech Warrior <laughs> yeah, because, one? Uh, yes. I mean, both, yes, but I think I have higher hopes for Battletech. Because well, there's well, several good way. Mech Warrior games yeah. that, you, that you can play. Well, let's put it this way. You know my taste. Which one is more likely? Probably Battletech. Mm, most likely. Yeah. You went quiet for a second. You can't fool me. <laughs> Quick, pull the line, pull the line. <laughs> anyway, speaking of games that we are looking forward to and maybe will like, I'm interested to hear about your games that you played this week because, well... Well, I teased you on these. Well, for one, did. I sent you an emote and said that it ties into one of them. Did you figure that one out? Um, No... I didn't really think about it when I was looking at them. Well, let's start when we with were doing the pregame. Yeah, let's start with Abandoned Ship. This is a game by all rights I should like. This isn't though, and I think it really comes down to changing the theme on an already popular game. Doesn't already always necessitate a good game. Graded Abandoned Ship is an early access and still very early in its early access run. So this could change. But this is pretty much FTL to a T. Where almost 
every single system from FTL translates almost directly to this. Hall breaches? Well, the uh, the deck of the ship bursts open and water starts pouring through. And uh, your water meter starts filling up, uh, showing that you're sinking. So uh, basically an inverse oxygen meter. You could uh, board the ship uh, pretty much the, like, well, FTL does. And it does the same uh, real time with Paul's. The maps are handled almost the exact same way, where you have a local map that you have to uh, go through certain nodes. Granted, this one is handled in a more real-time sense, where you have to uh, hit certain uh, 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 events on it, and a certain number of events, to unlock these giant gates that's out in the middle of the ocean. And though this isn't a thematic theme, they actually talk about the gates being physically there. It looks like the map is or the world is in this giant picture frame and with gates on uh, the uh, well depending on the uh, the frame you get north south east and west or a certain number of those which is just weird and you have to hit a certain number of events to unlock the gate magically i don't know it's just such a the entire time i was playing it it felt like a game i played quite a bit and was bored with already even though I was just a couple hours into it which is not a good sign for a new early access game is it no okay so some of the screenshots are there different ships that you can get uh, you can get build? different ships uh, you uh, uh, okay well let me uh, get you into the full gameplay loop you are a cultist who for some reason decides you know maybe summoning the Kraken to destroy the world is a bad idea and tries to escape and you overpower some guards and you're able to uh, break out a few of your fr fellow prisoners which have different skills naturally to uh, uh, to fill up your ship and then uh, then you're rushed off uh, off the island and then have to wander around and do certain events to unlock the gates because you know you're in a rush but not that big a rush obviously and you go into a overworld map, which is pretty much the galaxy map from FTL. And different areas have different bombs that have different difficulties, essentially. You know, uh, different hostilities, you know. Uh, pirates may be uh, uh, more prevalent in one area. Uh, there may be uh, rough seas, which uh, causes uh, various events. Granted that I'm not sure if it's in the game yet, because I went to an area with rough seas and I didn't notice a difference, but... And then every so often the Kraken shows up to be a massive dick. Uh, basically the uh, rebel fleet from FTL uh, to damage your hull. But there's no way to really avoid it because the events are so spread out and there's no real indications on where they are. You just have to wander around aimlessly that it's a frustration feature. Okay. Uh, but... Uh, you go into combat. The, the main thing it does different from FTL's com is that it has a distance indicator or, or, or different distances with a distance indicator. And uh, uh, ships will try to maintain their distance based on their weapons. So some weapons are better close up, like the flamethrower that you get because, you know, pirates have a flamethrower. Of course. Uh, Don't you? Uh, I've got two sitting over here. Ah, oh, damn. I just have a Gatling gun. <laughs> Uh, but uh, a flamethrower is only effective at pretty much uh, 
face to face contact with the ships because you know ships would naturally be running that close together, and uh, one tile out or one block out out of four. But then some other weapons may be more effective further out, and you're able to cut down the mobility of the enemy ship by uh, launching chain shot from a specialized cannon that other cannons are used to inflict hull damage. Or you could just wait for your hyperdrive, I mean your maneuver gauge, and no, I'm not shitting you, there's a maneuver gauge in this, and you have to wait for it to charge up, uh, to uh, get in close and just ram the ship. Okay. And uh, the fact that uh, even trying to escape, it's not, you know, this long protracted, you know, try to damage the enemy's tails and get further and further away. It's you hit a button and then you wait for the uh, essentially the hyperdrive to spin up, and then you just kind of wander off. It it, it it just boggles my mind that I'm bored with tall ship combat like this, but it feels like I'm playing FTL from a different perspective, and that's it. And I'll be perfectly honest, FTL it was groundbreaking for its time. It was something different, but so many games have riffed on FTL's combat that it is bit stale by this point to be perfectly honest especially ripping it whole heart you know yeah there have been plenty of games that have at least uh, you know been some sort of derivative but th- this yeah. uh, outside of you know changing combat slightly and I gotta be perfectly honest that uh, the movement system is well it's important for a about the first 10-15 seconds of combat until your chain shot cannon uh, uh, gets loaded then you just shoot the enemy sails and then you're able to freely move because at least in the early areas that I played before I got bored enough to just wander off uh, Denver really put up that much of a challenge it was uh, most of my haul damage actually came from the Kraken showing up and being an absolute dick to me and you can't fight the Kraken at least not yet they pretty much say, well, well, we're going to have to fight this eventually, but we're not strong enough yet. But pretty much every single fight came down to uh, shoot the enemy sails until they were too damaged for them to uh, stay, uh, stay away, get close enough uh, for when my maneuver bar gets filled up to ram the ship and uh, brace for impact. That is a big thing, is that uh, if you don't brace for impact, you could have people go overboard and then you have a giant fishing hook, essentially. Then board them, and the melee combat, yeah, uh, ship uh, combat, is, man. Let's just put it this way. I realize this is an early access game, but there is some fucking brain dead pathing in this game. To give you an idea, on one battle I did, rammed the ship, boarded, and I actually had harpoons by this point, so I was able to dig into the ship. They weren't escaping from me. Yo, I got you, bitch. Well, I damaged one of the enemy crew members to the point where they try to go to the medibay, or sorry, the doctor's uh, bench, or yeah, whatever they call it, but, but they actually have essentially a med bay where everybody stands around and gets healed. Alright? Like I said, okay. FTL pretty much uh, whole heart. Well, it decides that it needs to go heal. You know, it's damaged to, to, too much. Instead of trying to go around the major combat that's going on in the ship and, you know, to heal up, which the, for some reason the the doctor bench or whatever is in the, uh, the front of the ship, the uh, after the ship, 
The front? That would be the four. Four, sorry. Uh, well, it decides to jump off the ship, go onto my ship, run along the side of the ship, then jump back on. <laughs> okay. In the meantime, it runs into all of my guys that are still on my ship and charging up, uh, you know, the area of effect weapons. And my guys just turn around and beat the ever-lovely snot out of them as they pass. And the fact that, you know, the it's an odd camera angle and it's zoomed way out and you can't really zoom in for melee combat makes melee combat rather unsatisfying. You're just sitting there watching. I, I mean, hell, FTL's boarding combat is a lot more engaged than this, and that's saying something. <laughs> And you're also able to cheese it so much because FTL boarding is always a risk because you have that timer on your teleporter. You know, you don't have your teleporter leveled up. It's a serious risk to send in a couple of guys because you may lose them before your teleport comes off. This, they board, get hurt a little bit, jump back to your ship, heal up, or hell, use their uh, doctor's bench because you could use yours as well. <laughs> uh, it just borrows ideas but it doesn't try to really make them their own and it makes them feel rather flat i will put this on my backlog of uh, things to come back to look at again because it is interesting to have a tall ship uh, combat uh, like this but uh, playing it right now i just was so damn bored it just really did nothing and I just found uh, what they did do different, more annoying than anything else. The one thing you haven't talked about that I would like to ask you about is the art style. It They say in the description of the game that's based on oil paintings. Uh, I'll be perfectly honest that uh, uh, the biggest thing that really... Uh, drew my attention was the local map where uh, you're on this rather pretty map but because i was so focused on uh the cracking gauge that they don't actually show on any of the damn screenshots because it is a timer uh, like i said that uh, they're uh, borrowing the you know, they're using the crack in a, at least in the first areas As a matter of fact you could see a crack in battle uh in one of the screenshots you know with uh, all the tentacles in Japan. Yeah. Uh, that's the Kraken. Uh, gotcha. Uh, they don't show it on the uh, screenshots at all, but uh, in the uh, opening air or in the open air, open seas like this, where you're going around, it's very pretty, but I never really was able to sit down to enjoy the view because I was so focused on trying to just uncover new areas to be able to get out of the area because. If I didn't hurry, I would uh, uh, end up taking massive haul damage because the dickish Kraken would show up again. So, uh, I gotta be perfectly honest, I didn't really pay attention to the art style because I was too busy. I will say that the game is very pretty, but it's... Uh, if, you're be if you're rushing so much that you can't sit down and enjoy the art style, then you know, you're kind of failing on that part, aren't you? Yeah. Okay, and that was really the only yeah. only question I had. Yeah, I mean uh, the uh, the other things is you know uh, you have hyperdrive 
a fuel, which is, well, uh, supplies. You pick up gold from various events. Uh, the, the various events really boil down to just a, you know, give uh, people supplies or uh, fight an enemy, at least so far. So, But it is early and it's a, uh, early access development. So maybe that changes uh, and later. They're saying 9 to 12 months of early access and it came out about a month ago. I'm just very disappointed by it because I really wanted to like it. I really did. Yeah. Oh, one thing that I did find interesting, uh, uh, granted I never got far enough to really try it, is that you are able to buy a lifeboat where if your ship gets sunk, you're able to essentially abandon ship. Eh, eh, eh. Yeah. And uh, uh uh, get rescued, go to port, buy a new ship, and try uh, your run uh, to try to continue your run, which is interesting. But I just got bored before I even uh, got the chance to even do that. Right. I do like that idea. They show what I assumed would be part of like a tutorial or something like that, where that, and on one of the screenshots, it's a small rowboat. No, that's, that's the, probably no, that, the lifeboat. Yeah, that's a lifeboat. Because you don't encounter that during the tutorial. Gotcha. Yeah, and uh, I, I think my biggest complaint about it, though, even though uh, outside of you know just wholly lifting uh, FTL stuff and not really making it their own, or trying to apply it to ships, ha- have it where escaping you have to damage the enemy sails and try to sail away. That would be a lot more interesting than, oh well, the uh, harbor drive's charged up. Uh, uh, enter a cutscene mode and that's literally it uh, it's just uh, that timer because so many times uh, you know, all my damage was from the Kraken because if you're set up uh, correctly you could uh, damage the enemy vessel enough where they have to focus on repairs and you could only fire fully healed uh, you know, for lack of a better term uh, weapons. So if your weapons get shot, your guys st- uh, stop for a moment to repair them, which I'm not sure if I like or not. Uh, and so- something else that's a little odd is the segregation of the uh, UI. You have your health bar and all the uh, systems uh, completely separated. So you don't really, if you're focusing on the uh, ship systems, for lack of a better term, you know, trying to uh, damage uh, their navigation so uh, you could get in close to ram them. You may not notice all the damage you're doing to them and then you sink them when you ram them. Which is strange. I actually had that happen to me a few times where I was trying to just uh, get more money for uh, essentially a bounty because you enter an area, they talk about uh, pirates in the area if you uh, are able to capture the ship you'll get a big discount at the local store, assuming that you can find it, of course, because, you know, it's on an island somewhere. Good luck finding the island. I, right. I damaged the ship too much. Oh, and that's something else, is the weapon systems is strange. I nearly forgot about that. Okay, so your main cannons, your main broadside cannons, can be set up to auto-fire like an FTL. You know, you, as they're charging, you right-click, and they'll fire when they're ready. Your chain shot and your grape shot cannons, which are you know, damage your sh- the sails and the crew, respectfully, cannot do that and have to uh, and can only be fired when they're fully charged. 
And that's a weird segregation between the two systems, even though they're both weapon systems. Yeah, that's that's weird. Uh, especially since the crews uh, on the enemy ships don't move around too much unless you prompt them. You know, you set fire to their ship by launching a mortar. And uh, something else that's a little strange about the weapon systems, but kind of makes shit sense on a tall ship like this, that is that you're only facing one side of the ship at a time. So you could set up your ship where it's high anti-personnel on one side and uh, big enemy uh, ship damage to the on the other. And you're able to you know, maneuver your ship and flip it, or, uh, you know, change directions if you fill up the maneuver gauge. But once again, that's that damn maneuver gauge. I absolutely hate that maneuver gauge. <laughs> it It feels like it should be its own thing, you know, off uh, the navigation instead of just a charging meter. You know, and the enemy ship should try to prevent you from doing it if you're uh, doing it. It's just not, an, it just shouldn't be an automatic thing. It feels like a lightweight FTL at this point, to be perfectly honest. And if you're looking for FTL tall ship combat, well, uh, you're in luck. Yeah, I'm not sure I am, but who knows? Maybe someone will be. Uh, maybe in... Uh, nine to twelve months. Yeah, when it's out early access. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, any other questions? Uh, I wish I had more comments on the art style because, looking at the screenshots, the game is very pretty, but you know, you just really can't sit down and uh, enjoy it because you know you're always rushing. Yeah. Well, that's why I asked. You hadn't said anything about it, and the screenshots looked really good, and that was one of the things that they said in the description of the game. Yeah, but it's very frantic because. Style. Uh, the it does have the real time pause even on the uh, map screen, but I gotta be perfectly honest that even on the map screen, I was uh, constantly uh, zooming out to uh, look at look for spots that I hadn't uncovered, so I could try to go to them and uh, do the events needed to unlock the gates, and didn't really pay that much attention to the art style whatsoever. And oh, something else that's really annoying is that if you zoom out. You can't click on the map for navigation. You have to zoom out, look around, and then zoom back in, wait for the long zoom in, and then click. Which is irritating as hell. But yeah, I should have liked this because I did enjoy FTL. But maybe FTL is just stale at this point. Maybe so. Maybe so. What else you played this week, buddy? So, the Raven Remastered is next up on my list, and is also what I did for the Sunday Sampler. This game wears its inspiration on its sleeve, and that is Agatha Christie through and which is where the emote uh, ties in, because it, the emote is from a Perot game, and I'm hearing almost blank expression from you. Yep, Perot was uh, written uh, was a novel series by Agatha Christie. Okay, I have never read it. I mean, I I do recognize the name Agatha Christie. Hercule Poirot. Okay, well, uh, I, I could I could hear the uh, blank expression, so so much for that. But yeah, this game wears its inspiration on sleeve to the point where I'm pretty sure one of the major characters in Act One is supposed to be Agatha Christie. She is a mystery novelist that has uh, gotten very disillusioned with her main character to the point that uh, she's killed him off. <laughs> Uh, this takes place in the 1960s, which would be a, 
uh, you know, towards the end of her life, and she is an old woman in this, so, yeah, well, anyway, uh, the Raven Remastered is a remaster of a point-and-click adventure that was released in 2013, I believe, called The Raven, The Legacy of a Master Thief, which was an episodic game that, I've got to be perfectly honest, I didn't hear of when it was coming out. But you play as a, a Swiss policeman, a Zeller, a, a Zellner, sorry, as you get caught up in this trap and manhunt for this possibility of this uh, legendary thief, the Raven, returning uh, uh, to wreak havoc across Europe. In the opening cutscene, you see him uh, steal a, a, this a giant gem and you're caught up in this trap to try to uh, uh, capture him while uh, transporting the other gem and havoc ensues. This is a, a very old school designed point click adventure and that's the giant asterisk. Well that and the fact that it wears its uh, inspiration on its sleeve. So if you absolutely hate Agatha Christie yeah, you're not going to like the writing of this because it is very inspired by her. But there's no moon logic puzzles in this. Everything is very, very logical. And you may be wondering, why is that a giant asterisk? Well, it's also very old school in its design. To the point where, because I played more modern uh, point and clicks and I kind of uh, lost my chops on the older stuff, I completely written off the direction to go because of something the main character said. On uh, uh, the opening area, which is the Orient Express. <laughs> Yay! Uh, you uh, need to get some tools to open up a locked cabin. Well, there's the very obvious tool chest on the side of the train in between two of the cars. And Zellner actually says uh, that... L uh, uh, that must be a, a tool chest for uh, uh, rail workers to uh, help uncouple the cars, but it looks like it's uh, uh, more accessible from the ground than it is from here. And you're on a moving train, so I completely wrote it off. Well, turns out I just had to click the tool chest again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and that's something that once I got past the kind of the odd logic of the game where there's a combination of your typical examine and your typical use where whenever you first look at something, you examine it or give your thoughts about it. Then you attempt to use it. And a lot of the game is going around and clicking on things till you're not able to click on them anymore. And they also prevent you from repeating a lot of dialogue that a lot of point clicks kind of got in a trap of where you get in this dialogue loop, you know, you talk to someone and they repeat the same things over and over again. Well, this, the conversations flow a lot more naturally. But once you exhaust all your uh, dialogue options, well, they're uh, gone. You're going to have to refer back to your notes or your little gray cells. No, not, nothing on that? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I, I do think it's a really... a good adventure at least as far as i played it i played through the first act which was for some hours it's actually very large for an episodic game so i'm not sure what the actual runtime on this is total I'm, 
I did read that a couple of the, or sorry, one of the two remaining chapters that I had is shorter than the others. So it could end up being a bit shorter than you would expect, probably in the 10 hour range. Yeah, pretty standard for the episodic uh, uh, point and click adventures. But overall, it's a very pretty game. I will say that uh, the remaster, I would say, well, let's put it this way. If you put both the uh, footage of the remaster and the original, I think I would get them backwards because they went through and they upped the lighting significantly. In the original game, there was a lot of dark shadows, a lot of a brooding atmosphere, and this everything feels almost washed out. That and some of the animations in the remaster do some rather odd things. Like one character I met, well, she went to rub her face, and she kind of pushed her hand through her face and rubbed the back of her skull. Okay. And I, I would normally be a yeah it would be off-putting but it wouldn't be worth mentioning to this degree but the fact that they talk about remastering the animation to the remastered version made me laugh and there was a lot of clipping as well uh, another character actually the same character that rubbed the back of her skull uh she was wearing a hat and her ponytail was uh, sticking through the top of the hat <laughs> she cut a hole for it yeah that just ma- happened to perfectly match her ponytail right yeah. Uh, but you do get both the original and the remastered versions. Uh, for It's uh, yeah, the uh, THQ Nordic uh, way of remastering where if you had the original, you get the remastered. If you buy the remastered, you get the original. So I don't really have a problem with that. Uh, a couple other interesting things about this that may be off-putting or maybe uh, uh, selling points to you, depending on how you view them. They do a few mini games towards the end of the first episode, and they have one of the more interesting variants of a lock picking mini game I've seen. Uh, let's see. Well, let's do the mini games first, then we'll finish with lock picking. Uh, they uh, you actually play shuffleboard, and you have to win to be able to continue. Granted, the AI isn't yeah stellar, so it's not that hard to beat, but it's one of those things that uh, you have to play it. I think once to really get a feel for the friction. Because, you know, you're playing shuffleboard and you're not able to really get a feel for the puck until you actually launch the first couple. And it's a variant of shuffleboard. It's not quite the shuffleboard I think you would expect. So you may have to play that a couple times in order to progress. And that is required for progression. And there's also a a crime scene uh, forensics thing that is actually very interesting. It's not that difficult it's not that involved but it requires a little bit of backtracking to go back to the crime scene to grab something that you really should have been able to grab before but you couldn't so yeah and then the lock picking game game there's so many threads on the original game about the lock picking game granted i only put it in the remastered and not the uh original i did a little bit of a comparison on uh, visuals uh, with the rem- between the two but didn't play that far through uh, the lock picking game, it's, uh, it's technically lock picking, but you're more making a key than you are picking the lock. You take a, uh, essentially a paper clip. I can't remember what it was. And you're actually bending it to be able to hit all the pins in the lock at the same time, instead of, you know, the traditional idea of bumping the pin a couple times to try to lock into place by turning 
uh, the uh, entire uh, drum. And then, you know, doing that for every individual pin. And if you don't know what you're trying to do with the, uh, with the lock picking game, it would be very frustrating. And it's also a little bit exacting because you have a very small margin of error and you have a, uh, a paperclip that you're having to drag up and down essentially these bars. You know, you're trying to match the uh, pins inside the lock to uh, finish off the uh, height of the pin with the remaining bit of, uh, of uh, paperclip. And it's just a bit annoying. Interesting, but annoying. <laughs> Indeed, I will say I'll, it's you've you've I'll, go ahead. I was gonna say you've made me interested in this game. Yeah, it looks good. Yeah, it, it, I would say it. I would go between the two to uh, figure out the art style you'd like because uh, the main difference I saw was really in the lighting of the two games. There's a little bit of texture definite difference. And I had intended to do you know, a very nice sweeping between the two uh, on my video, but uh, I had the uh, recording error out on uh, the original version. And I didn't feel like redoing it. So I uh, wasn't able to do that. But uh, the main thing is really shadows. It, it felt like they actually degraded the shadows. And there's a lack of anti-aliasing. And the remastered that makes these shadows a bit more blocky than they were it looked like and also because they try to do the cinematic thing with the camera during conversations you know do like over the shoulder and stuff you can see where the bottlers tried to cut corners a little bit particularly um ears and necks where the polygons are a, a little bit sparse but voice acting overall is just excellent so uh it's if you're a a graphic snob, you may be turned off by some of the lackluster visuals in some a aspects, but overall, it's not bad. Uh, nope, I'm good. Okay, so the third game, and this is one I would actually really recommend to you, is Will of Wonderful World. This is a Chinese. I'm not sure if I want to call this visual novel. Technically, it is. But this is like a, a in-between step of a visual novel and, well, you know the choice of uh, games, uh, novels on Steam? Yeah. Where it's a full, where it's a full novel? It's a step in between the two of those extremes. You play this goddess named Myth, who people pray to in their moments of need, with her companion Willie, who is a dog, or a dog-like thing. And uh, it it's portrayed as this branching tree of uh, stories. And this is a list of essentially short stories involving the same characters. Some of them directly connected, some of them not. Some of them just marginally connected or uh, uh, characters in the same area. And they don't really show a good example of that. They show one on the uh, second screenshot. But uh, between Alicia and uh, Cheng... Uh, young mean where uh, occasionally you'll have uh, characters that have a self-contained story and the uh, entire gameplay is swapping around sections of the story to change the outcome so uh, in the tutorial for example uh, you're taught about 
how to do this by helping uh, this high school girl who uh, wasn't able to get into her apartment because while she was out practicing tennis at this uh, rather run-down tennis court, uh, she was starting to pick up things, and the light bulb above the tennis court blew out, and she wasn't able to find her keys. Yeah, so of course you pray to God, right? Absolutely. Well, that's what I do. Well, you're able to change the order of things in her story where the light bulb doesn't burn out until after she's picked up everything. And that slight change, well, they uh, mentioned the butterfly effect, changes her entire story to the point where she invertly meets another character who gets attracted to her. And you're starting to see a bit of a romance between the two, perhaps. And the game actually deals with some heavy-duty subjects very quickly. Let's put it this way. The second story, one of the characters is trying to commit suicide. And another story, very early on, one of the characters is a victim of human trafficking and ends up in Hong Kong. And I've only done probably about six or seven of these stories. So it is, it gets very deep sometimes. Uh, there's death, there's uh, murder, there's, uh, but there's also uh, very lighthearted uh, things between uh, two rival uh, tennis players over a bunch of chocolate milk. <laughs> so it does have a bit of mood whiplash as well, but if you're going into it expecting that, I don't think it's as bad. And like I said, it's an in-between of the two extremes of choice of games and a full visual novel because you do get some uh, sound effects while uh, reading the story. You get some uh, visual cues, but uh, it, for the most part, it is just a list of short stories and trying to figure out, okay, what change of events can help these people? And they do mention in the tutorial where sometimes you aren't able to give the best ending to everyone. So maybe at uh, some point further down the line from where I am, I'm going to have to make a choice of who gets their happy ever after. Because it's very easy to get it to the point where one outcome is uh, good for one player or one uh, character, but isn't it so good for another character? And I know how you uh, love your story, so I thought this would be perfect for you. Yeah. Yeah, pretty much after the first 30 seconds, you start talking. I was like, okay, this sounds like a game that I would really enjoy. Add to wish list. Yeah, uh, some of the reviews do talk about uh, the translation being a little jank. Uh, they have patched it uh, quite a few times. So they have been working on the English translation, any things that may uh, come through. There are some extra uh, some uh, bits of extra info that uh, you need that they do provide to you in a in-game dictionary and because this is a Chinese game uh, there is a focus on a bit of Chinese culture as well so maybe Katie will like this as well yeah I just put in for a key for it on key mailer yeah. and then if I don't get it I'll probably buy it yeah only reason well, why I like didn't it's... do a video on this was that it would be very hard to uh, yeah, really demonstrate because it's not quite a you know a full visual novel, it has a bit more gameplay, right? But you can see some of the uh, of the gameplay where you're swapping around these chunks, and you're also able to move between different stories. And sometimes 
stories aren't able to resolve until other stories are resolved. Uh, an example of this is a hostage situation where it, you're not getting a good resolution no matter what you do until you do another story and deal with a different event. And that uh, change there impacts other stories. So it's uh, changing multiple stories across quite a few different characters. And it's interesting to see how the different characters are slowly interweaving together because you get this master flow chart of all the stories. And so far, it's a, a group of three characters. The guy that tried to commit suicide was actually a failed artist who his wife has died and he just lost the will to really produce any art. And uh, he tries to commit suicide, but uh, uh, he ends up being unsuccessful because of another character. And then uh, those uh, two get interconnected while the third character in that group is infatuated with the uh, high school student, the second character. And then the other two uh, is a uh, man from Mexico who has gone to Hong Kong to try to find a sister who was the victim of human trafficking. And that's another character that was recently introduced to me. Like I said, it's a lot of interconnected uh, and a lot of interesting stories. And it's a little bit exacting on uh, the order of things because it requires a little bit of reading between the lines. There's uh, two different modes for this game. Looking at the screenshots, you may notice that some of the text is in red. That's played in normal mode where uh, important hints on how to proceed are highlighted. But playing on what they call lunatic mode uh, blanks those out, but you're still but you're still able to activate them on a per-level basis. So if you're hitting a wall, you can turn that on for a short time. It's a, uh, it's a very interesting take on the visual novel, visual novel genre, though. Uh, it's something I hadn't seen before. Questions? Nope. Just when can I get it? <laughs> yeah, and th like I said, this is a Chinese visual novel. Even though, um, not like I said, I'm not sure if I want to put it fully in the visual novel just of uh, some of the other things with it, particularly how it's large chunks of story. And it's not voice acted outside of very small chunks whenever you get a letter in your mail, which is unlocking a story. You know, just a, uh, you know, please help me or, or what have I done? That sort of thing. Right. Uh, so it's a lot of just sitting there and reading. But like I said, I thought it was right up your alley. Yeah, I'm definitely gonna gonna get this take a look at it and get it hopefully i can get a review copy but if not i'll buy it in the near ish future maybe it'll whatever if whatever it goes on sale for during the summer sale i'll probably even if it's only like 15 or 20 percent yeah and it did surprise me that it dealt with pretty heavy themes pretty quickly yeah that's that's why i'm so like i'm definitely gonna yeah gonna get a copy of this yeah, i mean well well, I won't tell you who does what, uh, but, well, I already mentioned a suicide attempt. There there was a suicide attempt. There was uh, uh, human trafficking, uh, and they thought they were getting shipped to the United States, but were ended up being shipped to Hong Kong uh, to be slaves. Uh, another one was a attempted murder-suicide. So, yeah. And that's only a few in. <laughs> well, that sounds fancy. 
and definitely interesting. Yeah. Cool. Is it my turn? Yeah, I think it is. Sweet. So the first game on my list is a mobile game. It is Marvel Puzzle Quest. And it's... That's that's the game. If you've ever played a Puzzle Quest game, then just think of that, except with Marvel characters instead of whatever other theme Puzzle Quest game you've played. Does it have Robert Downey Jr.? Uh, no, it doesn't. Well, I'm not interested. So, uh, in case... You, someone out there doesn't know puzzle quest is a series of games that has various themes to them although the bulk of them are medieval themed uh with a little bit of added magic thrown in and it is a match three puzzle game where that you have special abilities and attacks and health and things tied to the various colors of the uh gems that you match and Marvel Puzzle Quest is that with the Marvel character theme. Uh, the gems are tied to special powers or abilities for each of the Marvel characters that match abilities and powers that they have in the comics and the movies. Um, this game is free to play. Uh, so, of course, it has, being a, a hero-focused game, has like a million characters with a million variants of each of those characters. because and A million mountain actions. Because because comics are weird and crazy. So, like, for example, uh, Iron Man is in the game. And there's MCU Iron Man. There's classic Iron Man. There's modern comics Iron Man. There's Black Sabbath. And then there's so like... <clears throat> yeah, there's Black Sabbath. And then there's some, like, special... There's a special edition, like, Iron Man. Uh, for Captain America, like, there's... Well, all of these characters that are in the Marvel Cinematic Universe have a version of them in there. And then they'll have like two or three of the most iconic uh, comics versions of the characters. There's also, uh, you can get the villains as well. I'm not sure how many of the villains are in there. There's tons and tons and tons of Marvel heroes. And Marvel has got better heroes than villains anyways, so it makes sense for them to focus. There are a, a few villains that I've seen that you can get so far, like some of the really big ones like Magneto. Uh, the Juggernaut, a couple bitch. others. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm the Juggernaut, bitch. Uh, but, I mean, that's really all there is to it. I suppose the business model is pretty fair. Um, there are tons and tons of ways to acquire the premium currency and cards outside of just paying for them. Um, you get Every day you get uh, points from, if you join an alliance, which is the same thing as like a clan or whatever, you get points towards like the best packs anyways. Um, and then getting duplicates, uh, you just use, you can use those to uh, strengthen and level up your current cards uh, or your current heroes beyond the, the level up system that applies to the, I guess, non-premium currency. Uh, this game's version of gold. It doesn't feel like super exploity. The in-game or the microtransactions don't even pop up until you complete the tutorial and like the first. Oh, hey, my phone's on silent. Obviously, and the uh, and the first area because uh, a lot of these games will have like you play it for two minutes and then you'll get the hey if you buy our special deal within twenty four hours you'll get like a really good deal on our stuff, man. And this doesn't do that. Uh, there's it's mostly single player. There's a pseudo multiplayer mode where it's like during events, you can post a team for other people to fight against and you win 
premium currency and other points based on how well your team does fighting against other players. And then you two can go fight other players and win premium currency that way. It's a pretty big game too uh, in terms of like single player content. There's a number of storylines because this game's several years old. It released, I want to say something in like 2012, 2013. And they update the content regularly with the release of the Marvel movies and the bigger Marvel comic series. So if you really like Marvel stuff and or if you really like Puzzle Quest and want a good Puzzle Quest game to play on mobile, Marvel Puzzle Quest has got a lot to offer you both in terms of content and just solid gameplay. Um, it doesn't have, it also doesn't have a timer. Uh, you can just play as much as you want. Your heroes have health, but it generously gives you health packs so that you can just heal your heroes up 100%. Um, that's sort of where the timer comes in because if you just wait for real time, your heroes will heal to 100%. But uh, you get a really big roster really fast. I already have seven heroes and I... I played before, but I restarted just because I didn't remember a lot of stuff about it and where I was and so much had changed. So within like two hours of gameplay, I had seven heroes of various levels and you can go back and replay earlier missions. I pretty much play until I get, you know, get bored of playing it or am done doing whatever situation that I'm playing a game on my phone as opposed to something else. So it's a solid mobile puzzle quest game and also a pretty good marvel game so that one was fast and easy like now we're you. gonna get to the more yeah baby now we're gonna get to the more difficult bit so i played fortnite this week i played both fortnite games and you might be saying but jared there's only one fortnite and there's the the two modes no i disagree these are vastly different games now are we gonna have to get a kerbal for you to fight with i don't think so uh, these are vastly different games that share some common uh, third-person shooter controls and an art style. Otherwise, they have very little in common. Um, for example, the Battle Royale mode is a super, super stripped-out version of, the, of Save the World, which is the PvE mode. Um, there's a huge massive amount of crafting systems and upgrades and tech tree and just lots of little things i call it the warfare the warframe problem you get dropped in and there's like 45 different systems that affect your character and what you do and you're like oh my god i gotta learn all this stuff uh whereas the battle royale mode has none of that there's no crafting there's no progression there's no anything it's just you drop into the match and you do stuff and you're done which i'll talk about it um battle royale really focuses on the third person shooter aspect of it uh it's they they do have completely separate maps uh battle royale has got one really large map for the game mode whereas the pve version has multiple smaller maps um, they've all been handcrafted from what I can tell because there's like secrets on the PVE map that it's like, I think there would probably like, this would be a good place to find a secret and you manage to get into wherever it is that you think a secret would be. And it's like, Oh, there's a, a secret or an Easter egg. So 
it feels like the maps are handcrafted. And then, the only yeah, then it that turns are, out that wasn't chocolate. <laughs> the only things that are randomly uh, distributed throughout the map are the quests, uh, the or the the quest stuff, and then loot drops that you can find in the PVE mode. Whereas in Battle Royale, everything except for the map is randomized, uh, just so that even if you drop into the same place twice, you have you know different I- weapons and items that you find. Um, there are a lot of weapons that are not in the battle royale mode. I have no idea if they're coming or not, but there's an entire melee combat system from the PVE mode that is not in battle royale at all. And there are a number of weapons that are not in battle royale. Uh, there's like a light machine gun that are not in battle royale mode. There are lasers and, uh, special unique weapons. Like there's a gun that uses... Uh, your crafting materials directly is ammo, and it shoots like steel rods. So, at like the zombies. rocket launcher from uh, Fallout Three. Yeah, yeah, it's it's like that. It's like the rocket launcher from Fallout Three. Oh, 3. now I'm uh, kind of more sold on this because I could uh, launch teddy bears and kill people. Yeah. Um, or plungers. Plungers were always but, fun. But that's not in the battle royale mode. Um, there are a number of extra. Uh, grenade types that are not in the battle royale mode. So, I mean, you get, I guess, ba- basic weapons in battle royale, pistol, uh, SMG, assault rifle, sniper rifle, shotgun, and then there's some special weapon drops that you can get in battle royale mode. But there are at least a dozen different weapon types, not including the entire melee system. So, these games are very, very different. What the PvE mode, it's going to be free-to-play. You have to buy into it right now as, like, an early access game. Uh, unless you receive a friend code, which is what I did. I know somebody, uh, IRL, who has this. Uh, and they got a friend code. And were generous enough to give it to me. Uh, and this game might be my new crack as, like, a good PvE game to play. Uh, just because of how much stuff there is in the PvE mode. It's got a fully flushed out, fully voice acted campaign, uh, which runs through this apocalypse scenario. It's called Fortnite Save the World. So you're saving the world. The only non-voiced character is you. They're so far, I guess, like a Gordon Freeman type. Everybody talks to you, but you never say a word. Um, And as you go through, you meet an interesting cast of characters who take you on missions to different locations. And that's how you open up the map and progress the main story, uh, by doing the quests that they give you. But it also has a really big, fully flushed out questing system anyways, where you can go to any of these maps that you've been to, to complete side quests and bonus missions and daily challenges and things like that. So, I mean, you can spend an hour on a single run, just completing quests in an area uh, which give you you know experience and things to level up your character there's a number of different characters there's four character types but each one of them has various characters or heroes in the different types that have different abilities and things like that so there's a lot of variety in the gameplay and it gives you a shit ton of this stuff right away and and it never really tries to at least so far it it doesn't seem like it's trying to poke you to get you to buy stuff Um, it hands out a lot of rewards and the system works very Warframe like you get a bunch of stuff 
you essentially recycle all the stuff that you don't want and then use that to improve the stuff that you do want. Um, you have different items and uh, survivors, uh, the, your little colony, uh, that you can apply to different slots on your characters so that they can receive boosts from the people and the items later on if you play even even if you play more solo later on you can uh bring essentially summons with you uh that you can have help you in battle either defend an area or just follow you around and do stuff uh there's sort of a i guess a mobile aspect to it with these missions you unlock where that you can send your heroes on missions when you're not playing to gather resources and things like that for you it's a bunch of free-to-play stuff that's been grabbed from other free-to-play games, and it's actually been done very well. So this is um, kind of the reverse of what Abandoned Ship was? Yeah. Grabbing systems and actually making good use of them instead of just throwing them onto a system, and yeah, that's good enough. Yeah, it all fits together thematically. It They throw you in the deep end, but once you get a handle on what's going on with all of these systems. They make sense and they work well together. They're easy to, to work with. Um, it's just an all-around really well-designed game that's got a really good set of core mechanics. I mean, it's a third-person shooter, um, so it's kind of difficult to mess that up, especially since it's the, the PvE mode is just completely... Um, uh, wave bait well not completely wave based but most of the main objectives are uh, wave based horde mode where that you use this game's sort of i don't know unique selling point to it which is it's got a, a building system a, a base building system where that you can build a, a fort that's the where the fort comes in in Fortnite, and i think the night is just the eternal darkness caused by the purple storm that's the apocalypse and yes, it is actually a literal purple apocalypse storm. Um, but you can craft bases, and you can do pretty simple stuff, but it's actually a surprisingly robust, robust crafting system that you can, uh, or construction system, where you can build some pretty interesting and complicated base layouts. Um, there are certain points where you have to create a specific type of base following a map layout for certain missions, and that sort of eases you into the complexities of the building system and you, there's some pretty neat things you can do with it but uh you're, you're you're building these forts on the maps that you're doing stuff with and you can put defenses in the sense uh, in terms of like traps you can try and set it up tower defense style where that you can build lanes for the zombies to go down they run through your traps you can uh, recruit defenders to help defend your base you can just do a lot of stuff with that it's a really fun neat system that adds a great deal of mobility to the game as well especially when you're playing in the well i guess in both modes really if you want to get somewhere instead of having to try and figure out a way to get over there you can just build a bridge or a giant staircase to the heavens or something uh in order to i very think yahtzee quickly... was talking about that in uh the battle royale mode i haven't seen well, this was a oh, few weeks ago later. i must have missed that one then but uh, it, it's just a great mobility tool that feels really satisfying to use once you get a handle on it um, to just very quickly build a bridge or a, a big ramp or slap together a defensive position to defend one of the many objectives on the board. At first, I was a little skeptical of it and annoyed with it, although that mostly comes from the Battle Royale system. Um, 
Well, I imagine you're I on a, a, it, a lot more pressure to build quickly in Battle Royale. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, the most common thing that people will do is they'll get shot at and immediately within just like seconds, I don't know how they can do it so fast, will build a box around themselves. Is it Macarbo? For protection. Uh, pro- I don't know. Probably. Um, but they'll very quickly build a box around themselves and then either escape out the back or try and build like a, a sniper tower or something to shoot back at you from. But, uh, yeah, the PVM, PVE mode all in all is a lot of fun. There's a lot of stuff in there, a lot of things to learn. There's a lot of opportunities to build bases with your friends and, Oh yeah, this is highly macroable. I, I'm looking at the uh, hotkeys for it. I, I could put this all over my in my mouse. Okay. So there's uh, there's how it's done. Well, okay, probably. I'm just slow. Well, F1 through F4 is the different uh, building options. Uh, yeah. Then uh, all the uh, different uh, sections are just one, two, three. Uh, yeah, wall Z and. Doesn't look like it's that hard to build a macro. Yeah, that makes sense. I didn't even think about macros, honestly. I just know I'm too slow to do it that fast. Not even half as fast as people can do it. I'm too slow for it. Um. Well. So yeah, well, the you PV. Can just sorry. Program it to so one button does it all. So the PVE mode though is a lot of fun. I really enjoy it. I enjoy playing it by myself. I've enjoyed playing it with randos on the interwebs. And whenever it goes free, I definitely am hoping that some of you guys in the community will pick this up and play it. Yeah, I'm intrigued because, by uh, the PBE aspect, at least. Yeah, there, there's a lot there. There's a lot that they've done a really good job with taking, taking others' ideas and doing things with them and making them work with their system as a, as a cohesive unit, as opposed to just trying to rip something off completely. There's a lot there. Uh, whereas the Battle Royale mode, I've, I really focus in on the PvE mode because I really like it. The Battle Royale mode, I really don't. Uh, it's not bad. Like I said, it's a stripped-down version of the PvE mode. So, at least in terms of controllability and the way the game just feels to play, that's still good. Um, and I do understand now why people like battle royale style games i really don't like this but it's a lot of excitement in in like a really short period of time which is the initial two or three minutes of the game then there's a lot of nothing up to 15 minutes if you live through the whole the whole game about 15 minutes of really nothing happening so you get kind of bored and then at the very end there's like two or three minutes of pitched oh my god crazy action and i could see how people would like that like that like that adrenaline boost um or like the sort of lull and then the frantic aspect to it i i do get it i don't like that um very much but there were a couple of times where i was like oh man this is crazy exciting uh the the few times that i actually did really well by myself i've made it to like the last five people twice and both of those times have been like, Aah! but every other time I usually die. Yeah, and then you get somewhere in the mid game, someone that you never saw, right? Yeah, that's how it goes most of the time. Yeah, if I wouldn't um, do are... that, I would just fart plant. Todd. 
There are a few really positive things about the Battle Royale mode that I don't know if this exists in the other Battle Royale games out there, but the way that they handle map design in Fortnite is really good. Um, the map itself has got a lot of interesting, unique locations on it that feel very different. Uh, you've got a few little town areas on the map that feel pretty samey, but more on the outskirts of the map, there's a prison complex, which is very claustrophobic, um, and it can be difficult to tell where other players are, even if you're in the same building at the same time. Uh, it does this exaggerated footstep sound thing, so if someone's sprinting around or smashing something up, you pretty much can always figure out exactly where they are in just a couple of seconds, but the prison is so claustrophobic, it's difficult to do that. There's also like a, a, a marsh or a, a swamp that's really open, um, but the water is deep, and so whenever you run through it, you run slowly. Uh, there's a farm that uh, is on the opposite side of the map that is, I mean, it's got a, a mix of wide open spaces, but also good cover points in both farm buildings and machinery. There's a graveyard, which is sort of cartoony. Uh, so not only is it a very enclosed space with lots of gravestones and crypts and things like that, but it's also like really silly gothic style. So it's a mix of, but also dangerous and deadly to go to. Um, and there's a few other areas. I'm not going to go through the entire map, but they did a really good job of making lots of unique little settings on the map uh, to really vary up uh, the experience, which is good because every match plays out exactly the same. You drop, you either get killed immediately or you live nearly the whole time. So having interesting things to look at is is nice. But that gameplay loop is just really boring to me. Um, so outside of those good things, actually one other thing that it does really well is sound design. Um, I have, I, I live in the South. There are random gunshots more regularly than they should be. <laughs> and guns make really distinct sounds at different distances. So listening to gunfire in the distance you always get a good sense of how close a fight is to you because of how well they've designed the the weapon or the gunfire audio in the game, which really caught me off guard at first. Um, but once you sort of learn, okay, this is actually a lot like real firearms and this game does have some real distances at which firearms can be used at, you can tell the difference between, for example, uh, a sniper rifle and a pistol at range. And know what sort of fight is going on, you know, over the next hill or in the next town or whatever. Yeah, if it's and two that's... people trying to build a tower to snipe one another or they're building a box around each other. Yeah. Uh, that's something, too, that's a bit of a double-edged sword. The construction in the Battle Royale mode. On the one hand, you can, if you're going to hold a position, you can upgrade the defenses of a, a building or whatever. Or just completely build your own fort, you know, wherever. But obviously that means players have been there. So that becomes an instant target to anyone who runs past because there's a, a, a player definitely built it and there's a chance they're still there. I mean, you can use that to your advantage. You can build a little fort and then go somewhere else and camp that fort out and wait for somebody to come check it out and then snipe them or something like that. But otherwise, getting used to the building system as part of the game is difficult because 
it doesn't really segregate you by player level or anything. There's no real matchmaking. You just 100 people get thrown in and you go. So until you get a handle on that building system, you will constantly be killed by people who, in your mind, you're going, okay, I'm over here and this person's over there behind their cover. How can I outmaneuver them? And then you look up and they're raining death on you because they built a sky bridge and jumped down on top of you and murdered you. Um, but other than those few good things that the game does really well that I like, I just don't like this type of game. It's really boring by myself. Really, really boring. Playing it with an, at least one other person makes that a lot more enjoyable. I played this with Cube for a few hours last week. Yeah, but then again, week. You know, sitting around and watching paint dry is more fun with the, uh, another person and a can of beer. Yeah, that's what I was what I was going to get to. That you know, a lot of games are better with friends, and I don't think that that's enough for me to really say that Battle Royale is a game that I really like. Um, you know, it was enjoyable with Cube. The and I'd say that you get this from PUBG and any other Battle Royale style game. Uh, just there's a lot of movement and a lot of things you have to do, and we were route planning and having to tactically check things as we went to make sure somebody didn't sneak up on us and stuff like that. Um, and that's a lot of fun, but you know, like you and I both just said, a lot of games are a lot of fun when you play them with people. It's something I'll probably still play with other people and try and do it for at least one more stream night and get a squad of us together. But, uh, otherwise I'm pretty much going to be strictly playing the PVE mode from now on. That's where it's at, at least for me, but it's, they're still supporting it. I'm sure they still make money from the PVE mode, but well, Battle Royale is where it's at for them. Well, Fortnite's taken off to such a degree, particularly the Battle Royale mode, uh, that they scrapped Paragon. Yeah. And they actually produced, uh, they released all the Paragon's old assets for free as Unity assets, which means that, hey, low effort asset flips just got a new coat of paint. Yeah. There's one thing that baffles me. I don't understand why they did this between these two games. In the PvE mode, your game, your your guns have noticeable recoil. In the battle royale mode, almost no recoil. Uh, probably that make to, any sense to me. Uh, up the uh, action. I guess there's also no crouch in the PvE mode. You don't really need it. I I keep finding myself going like, I should crouch to go through here. There's no crouch. I guess I don't really have to crouch. I you can know, just walk suddenly through here. an article that I saw a few weeks ago makes a lot more sense now. There was some people complaining about a particular emote in uh, the Battle Royale mode that is just uh, kind of just laying on your side and looking sexy. And people were yeah. complaining that, you know, it was uh, an unfair advantage. Well, turns out, I guess that, you know, I guess it counts as a crouch. Well, no, you can't go prone. It, so in in the PvP mode, in Battle Royale, you can crouch, but you can't go prone. And this emote is your character lies down, so they go prone. And the, your character doesn't move, like they stay lying down until you specifically move. So it gives a way for players to hide in like bathtubs or things mm -hmm. like that. Because in, in Battle Royale, since you can't lay down, like you'll run into a house, do a quick sweep. It's like, okay, there's nobody here. But you don't check things like bathtubs or behind couches or stuff like that because if someone was crouched, you could still see them. But if they're laying down, you couldn't. Well, that's when you just start blowing up bathtubs. Usually, yeah, I just blow stuff up or smash things. I don't use doors in the Battle Royale mode. I just smash down walls with my pickaxe. Get crafting materials that way. Oh, yeah. And... Oh, yeah. I've done that a few times. 
have. Even though that's more, uh, you know, Macho Man than uh, Kool-Aid Man. <laughs> yeah. Macho Man Randy Savage. I mean, he died to save the world. Uh, uh, the world was supposed to end, uh, and he died, uh, you know, uh, prevent uh, the whatever was supposed to happen. <laughs> no, I'm not joking. He actually died on a day that the world was supposed to end. Good for him, I guess. Good for us, since he saved us from Let's the, just put it this way. Was... I, I've seen more than a few pictures of him eldra- elbow-dropping Jesus because of it. And no, I'm not nice. joking. <laughs> so yeah, that's Fortnite. Uh, if you want to see a much more rambly, surprise, like somehow even more in-depth version of the talk I just gave, you can head over to my YouTube channel where I posted a 59-minute video discussing the differences between Battle Royale and save the world so well, well you see here you just got you and and here you have you and then you have 99 jackasses <laughs> trying to kill you yeah and i could go on particularly about the pve mode but honestly yeah if you want to know more either hit me up after you hear the show or go watch the video and skip to like the 30 minute mark when i swap from battle royale to save the world because there's a, there really is just so much stuff in the PV. One thing I should mention about the the monetization of these games. So, Battle Royale, at least for now, only has cosmetic microtransactions. Save the World has both cosmetic transactions and loot boxes. <sighs> but so far on the loot box side you get a lot of them for just playing the game. So take that as you will, how you feel about things. That's a, that's a a personal choice that you guys make. I mean, if, if this was a paid game, I would not be buying it because of my, I don't buy games with loot boxes, period rule. But you know, I'm much more lenient on free to play games with that. So, since it's PvE, at the very least, you're not being overpowered in the multiplayer mode. And I'd say that's why they keep the loot boxes there. Because you can get weapons and heroes and blueprints and crafting materials from the, the loot box. Or you get anything from the loot boxes, as far as I can tell. Right, can you get loot boxes from the loot boxes? Yes. Loot boxes yes, all can, the way down? Actually. Huh. Yeah, you can get uh so their 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 loot boxes are llama piñatas. And you can get the little llama piñatas from the big llama piñatas. But as far as I know, you can't get the big llama piñatas from the little one. Well, maybe they're bigger on the inside. The piñatas talk to you. They're like sentient piñatas that you're being the snot you, out of. I like that. And you can like you can click on them before you open them. And they'll like say things to you, and then you go to Do open they beg them. For mercy? No. Oh. One of them. One of them, or one of the things that they've said, because you get like a random weapon to open the pinata. Everything from like a pitchfork to a sword or a hammer. I got a sledgehammer once, and one of the pinatas says, uh, "Are you trying to prove something, buddy?" <laughs> they're 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 cute. Which they're trying to do to worm into your head to make you think that loot boxes are okay. But they are cute. I have to give them points for being cute. That's how the that's how the loot boxes win with me. Just be cute. Or be boobs. 
boobs would work too. So, loot boobs. Yeah. Yo, that reminds I'm me of like, this really, really shitty game I saw on Steam Direct. It was basically your typical uh, roll the ball through crappy, uh, crappily designed level. Only they put a nipple on it. And nice. not even a, yeah, a good nipple. It was just uh, this terrible, terrible photoshopped uh, uh, thing. Bad. And they, they were trying to say, the game promotes uh, uh, breast cancer awareness. Yeah, the game does uh, bring awareness to cancer, all right. Whew. So, uh, yeah, those are the games that we played this week. Yeah, and we only ran a little longer than usual. Or that. Only like 20 minutes over what we guessed. A little less, I guess. So, speaking of loot boxes. Yeah, Star Wars <laughs> Battlefront 2's new progression system is coming. It says the article said next week, but it's probably this week because the article was from Friday. Yeah. So. Yeah. Basically, Battlefront Two has air quotes listened to the community feedback. In other words, the house of mouse is pissed. The, to be fair, yeah. they knew. Uh, yeah, this was going to go down. I mean, I, I really would be surprised that there was no one in uh, EA or Disney saying. Uh, this may be a bad idea. Well, on I can't remember if it was this week or last week's Jimquisition, where he was talking about this. Or maybe it was on just one of his videos that he does. I don't remember. Some of that stuff runs together for me. But uh, he was saying that every so often, the big companies that lead the way on this shit, like EA, will do something purposefully that's way worse to see how much they can get away with. And then... If it fails, which oftentimes they do because they push the boundary too far for people, they roll it back to the previous thing that everyone thought was the worst ever. And people are like, oh, thank God, we at least we're back to this now. And it sort of sets the bar even lower. Yeah, it makes and me wonder if was uh, that's the what they've done with this. Uh, paid mods was the same thing, the original iteration of it. Right. So we've talked about a little bit about this already, and we didn't say what it was that they did. So what they did was loot boxes are now cosmetic only and they the game now has microtransactions wait for does this mean we get our pink darth vader shit you can buy <laughs> i can get a pink darth vader just by going to google i'm good no you're not so well i'm, I'm good with that uh but uh, i have to ask you jared uh seeing this news does this fill you with a sense of pride of an accomplishment <laughs> no, it fills me with a sense of dread and bullshit. Uh, uh, we're still at this point, and uh, uh, it had to come to this to the point where loot boxes are now being looked at by multiple governments across the, uh, across the globe. I mean, uh, yeah, I mean, it's this isn't going to go away. I, I completely agree that this was most likely trying to push the bar to see how far people would go. The, the entire structure of this, no competent game designer or would look at this and say, oh, yeah, this is great. I mean, they got feedback all through their beta period, which I realize is mostly just uh, them uh, testing the servers. The, it, things are too locked in to try to change anything. And I, I think uh, Jared just sent me the <laughs> what I'm going to put on the show notes for this week. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Maybe. Well, it's lovely. We'll have to see. Uh, 
but <sighs> this is definitely pushing the bar and seeing just how far they could get away with it. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I refuse to believe that they were that out of touch. EA may be some greedy motherfuckers, but they're not stupid. At least I don't think they are. Yeah. But then again, I mean, I, know, I, malice versus stupidity. Yeah. I think they thought they could get away with it. But, I mean, they definitely did it on purpose. Like, this wasn't, oh, hey, let's, oh, whoops. So we put some loot boxes in there. Like, they specifically programmed the game to work that way. And I think they thought they could get away with it. And the fact that they didn't, they're like, well, at least we can roll it back and everyone will think that uh, we're good guys now and everything's great. And the next time, maybe people will be a little more desensitized to it. Well, considering that it was data mined after the fact that there was an entire system in place for cosmetics, uh, for unlockable cosmetics. So, you know, it didn't have to be tied to this, but they tied it to it anyway. And it looked like they did it fairly late because a lot of the... Uh, cosmetic stuff was already in place. Yeah. Uh, it's just uh, pure greed, really. There's no other way to really uh, go, get around this. And I just wonder... Well, I shouldn't say I wonder because I think I already know the answer. What this is going to do to the sales of the next Battlefront game. Assuming that there is one, of course. Uh, are people just going to forget about this after all the media coverage or are they going to actually vote with their wallets uh, i got um, the, the cynic of me is saying well they'll say some nice things and uh, people completely forget about it next time because they did for this one when uh you know people had issues with battlefront one or star wars battlefront at the time uh they said some very nice marketing hype and got people sold on Battlefront 2, and people pre-ordered like crazy. Did they miss, beat their sales goals? No. They missed them by a million. But they still sold like gangbusters. It's it's yeah. not like, you know, uh, nobody bought Battlefront 2. They still sold a lot of copies. Yeah. I'd say Battlefront 3 will still sell gangbusters, but unless, I mean... You know, they'll definitely roll out the PR machine for the game. And do it. Unless they really make some changes, and honestly, even if they do make some changes, I suspect that they'll have diminished sales from this go-round. You know, they'll miss their target by another million or two. I think they'll and, miss uh, the har more hardcore audience, the more hardcore gamers, but I think they're going to have to rely more on the casual market. Because yeah, I, 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 mean, I've had, I have a couple friends that are less uh, hardcore in gaming. And they had no idea about the controversy at all. <laughs> yeah, I'd say that a Star Wars game is probably going to do like, I don't know, five or six million units regardless. But when they're expecting it to do twice that, then that's a big deal. A really big deal for them. That's hundreds of millions of lost dollars. And that's all that these companies seem to care about anymore. If that's all, yeah, the, if they yeah, ever care the, about anything else. Yeah, the major uh, developers and publishers, they care more about their bottom line than their own reputations at this point. I mean, hell, EA got uh, the worst company in America how many years running? Three? 
Yeah. And uh, all they ever did was they released a, uh, a press statement twice <laughs> because they uh, released it, uh, I think, on the second and third years. Yeah. It's just the way that uh, game development and the way investors are built into gaming right now is very counterintuitive with reputation building, long-term goals. Everything has to be now. It has to be this quarter. It has to be this financial year. You need to uh, produce that new content and get it out to get more sales, to be able to bring up the stock prices this quarter. Who cares uh, what you have to cut in order to make that uh, sales release uh, before the end of the financial year? Who cares uh, how much it's going to hurt fans? Who cares how much it pisses off fans? As long as you get it now. That's the um, mindset behind a lot of the investors, a lot of the major developers, a lot of the major publishers. And I I just, it's unsustainable. I really Mm. see a problem long-term with AAA gaming, unless they're able to get into a more general market. Yeah. I have been trending more and more indie over the years since becoming a PC gamer and I'm really glad that I have already been making that transition and have a pretty big backlog of indie games to play. I mean, that's not to say indies is without their bullshit, but their bullshit is usually no. more uh, small potatoes versus this. Yeah. I mean, the worst... Uh, indie bullshit I could think of off the top of my head is, you know, uh, it, a composer going absolutely insane and uh, putting out DMCAs against uh, co- uh, content creators. Yep. Which AAA publishers have been doing for a while now. Yeah, I mean, let's look, pick one almost random. How about Nintendo? <laughs> yeah. You don't uh, join their affiliate program? Oh, they're going uh, to, uh, well, not copyright strike, but copyright claim, and you're not going to get a damn thing. But if you join them, they'll give you a few pennies. It's better than nothing, right? Right. Uh, What, you're giving us free marketing? Well, you better give us your ad revenue as well. That's something that's always really confused me about Nintendo. Indie games, too, have continued to improve in quality. Over the years. Yeah, there's... There might be a ceiling for that, but in general, it feels like AAA games are either hit that ceiling already of quality and or are getting worse. I think it's more indies are improving and there's less overhead for where AAAs could go because AAAs are focused so much on graphical fidelity that they cut a lot behind the scenes they cut their ai's they uh, cut uh their gameplay they want to be these huge shiny experiences that are just mind-blowing they they want to be movies i mean let's let's put it where it is and in some cases um looking at the more recent metal gear games they kind of succeed in that case uh, yeah indie games uh, they're getting better graphically because there's more tools out there ready-made. Yes, I realize asset flip is a dirty term these days, mostly due to Steam Direct and, well, the nature of the uh, different app stores out there. But that's not always the case. That you know They could be used as tools instead of just you know, copy-paste in. So you have a lot better 
assets out there already to be able to work with to improve your own possible lacking artistic skill or to prop up uh, some lacking of uh, artistic skill that you have in your uh, in your game so there is a bigger increase in the indie scene and then you have a more prevalence in the double a space where you're starting to see some of the uh, bigger indies move into what was traditionally considered the double a's that kind of vacated for a while because they just weren't there all the triple a's went absolutely insane they didn't release any of their lower tier stuff anymore because they tied everything into graphics and that just raises the budget of their games so much that it pushes everything into AAA and they cut out anything that doesn't sell five, six million copies. But that's why we're seeing the, uh, the AAA publishers releasing less games because they're focusing on these higher uh, selling games because they, they tie up so much money into them. Indeed. Well said, sir. I have nothing to add to that point. <laughs> well, it's true. You're not seeing that much on the AAA side anymore. Uh, yeah. You have the big burst in the fall, and that's it. Or autumn, depending on where you live. Or or spring, depending on hemisphere, is also a place. Indeed it is. Uh, but uh, the uh, budgets on uh, gaming is, uh, on the AAA, uh, on the big publishers are just so through the roof between uh, creating the game and then adding to that at least once over for the marketing, there's no room for the double A's from them anymore. So the indie scene is taking it over. Yeah. And at, at least for now, I like when that happens. I mean, you'll, uh, the, the closest I can think of is really uh, Ubisoft uh, for a major publisher doing double. Yeah. Uh, EA is trying to do some of it, but they're, really only pushing a couple titles and that's it would you call a way out a double a title i think so we'll i think see when it releases but based on what i've you know what we've seen so far i would say so i'd say double a it's got a higher production value than your average indie game but it doesn't feel like a triple a game yeah particularly uh how they're building the uh the gameplay where uh, they're going essentially beat by beat for the story and building gameplay into that uh, uh, rather than the other way around. <coughs> it's a different uh, methodology. It's going to be interesting, to say the least. And considering uh, some of the things that the, the, the creator said, uh, and not just drunkenly at the Game Awards, I have to wonder, you know, is, is he just getting absorbed at EA? <laughs> because uh, he's said some wacky stuff. Yes, he has. The fact that EA isn't making a single uh, cent off the, uh, that game, bullshit. Yeah, I don't believe that. Either that or he has some sort of marketing deal that, uh, you know, uh, it's just unbelievable. There might be some way to technically say that they don't make any money off that, of they, direct they, they, sales yeah, or they, something they, like yeah, that, they, but they're going to get something. Yeah, they're not making a single cent. They're making all the cents. Yeah. <laughs> well, what I said is true from a certain point of view. We're not making any money on this. We're making all the money on this. So we're rather off track. <laughs> Indeed. I think we're ready to move on to our next news. Wouldn't you agree? I believe so. All right. Well, our next news topic is there are some potential changes coming to the Humble Monthly Bundle. Uh, recently, 
Humble sent an email to some, many, definitely not all of the <laughs> Humble Monthly You're just salty because subscribers because I didn't get one. And I've been a Humble Monthly subscriber for three months now. So where's my where's my survey at, Humble? Uh, it's but, in the mail. Oh, no, wait, it isn't because that's instant. But but uh, basically they're wanting to change well, this is a, at well, this least is them, the pricing, maybe the structure of the whole yeah, thing. Yeah, this is them putting feelers out there. As far as I could tell from uh, the couple of articles I've read about this, but primarily the Reddit post that I'm going to be linking, mostly because it lays out everything in a nice chart. And I know how you love your charts. Uh, about the breakout. Yes, Kyle. <laughs> you love your charts. I do too. Uh, uh, all the breakdowns of the possible changes. So right now, the Humble Monthly bundle is 12 bucks a month, uh, correct? Uh, yep, it's 12 uh, bucks a month if you pay per, by yeah, the month. Uh, with uh, uh, If you go by year, it drops down to what, about 10? Uh, I think it works out to 10 bucks a month if you buy it three months at a time. And then for the year, it's under ten. It's like eight or nine dollars per month if you buy a year at a time. Okay, so uh, there's four iterations of this, and uh, there are some interesting things here. The uh, uh, the first iteration is the uh, we're just going to go uh, basic, premium, and then the weird. Uh, basic is uh, the uh, two other early unlock games, and then two hidden games. Uh, for ten dollars a month, with the graded uh, early uh, unlock titles, so like uh, choose four hidden uh, games from a list of ten, so you're given a uh, essentially uh, a la carte. Uh, access to the humble trove and ten percent uh, humble store subscriber discount and uh, and special promotion. So they're taking the humble trove and the store subscription uh, score uh, the store discount away from the uh, general bundle. Right. Actually, there's some differences on the basic. Well, from both of them. Well, 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 well they're also making it two hidden games instead of uh, what, four to six. Yeah, you. It, it's varied. The first month, I got something like eight hidden games. It was six or eight, and then the second month, I only got I think four hidden games. So it varies month to yeah, month. Yeah, usually depending on but how you big get... the indies are, because typically it's the big games that's shown and then you know you get a, a grab bag of the indies right uh you also no matter what level you subscribe to right now you get access to the humble trove which is a, a list of games that you can download for free they're all drm free games uh and then you also get a discount uh, i think it's still a 10 percent discount on the humble store by default so that's just, that's what you get right now at every level. Yeah, but the fact and that the cutting it down to get two like a... uh, hidden games is a little disturbing as well. It makes me wonder if they're uh, having trouble selling the uh, or uh, selling enough of the humble monthly to be able to uh, to have to cut down this much. Yeah, because perhaps that, that's a hell of a cut. It's hard to say if it's that, if they're struggling and so they're wanting to reduce what people or they're get just not to getting reduce as, the value of the package. Or they're just not getting as many people wanting to join in because there's only so many games out there. Yeah. Or, or at least and, the ones that they would want to promote. Yeah. Yeah, the, the whole... You can also, even if... The reason I went for monthly is because you can... 
opt out of a month if you don't want one so you don't have to pay for it. So far, I've bought all three months that I've been signed up for because I've been interested in the big games that you, the 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 big like headliners for the bundle. Mm-hmm. Um but if there is a month where I'm not interested at all in the games, I'll just say I want to skip that month. And so to me, the the freedom to do that is probably worth the money that I would save if I signed up for multiple months at a time. I mean, we'll see if I wind up going the whole time, you know, the whole, then obviously it wasn't, but you know, I don't know what's coming. So I'd like to reserve the right to be able to No, I'll pass this. I thought you could do that uh, on uh, all the plans, but I guess not. Nope. If you buy the, the three months of the year, like you're set for that time period, you can skip a three month time period or you can downgrade from three months to one month to be able to do that. But, but that's a waste of money. Yeah. So you're locked in if you get one of the multi- Yeah. So uh, the second iteration of this is uh, the uh, basic tier is the same as the first, uh, the uh, early unlocks and two hidden games. Uh, the premium, uh, pretty much the difference is instead of a la carte, you're able to trade in the hidden gems. Or hidden uh, games, I should say. Well, hidden gym games, hopefully. <laughs> and yeah. that's it, really. So, which not a necessarily a bad thing, especially yeah, basically for if someone you, like me. Yeah, if you trade in the games that you already have, you get store credit to, for something else, or maybe just about another month if you get enough of them. Yeah, and that sounds good to you know someone like me who has a huge library, um, uh, probably. A third of all of the games that I've gotten so far have been games that I've already had. Um, And that problem only gets worse as your library gets larger. So that sounds nice and nifty, but I don't know if I want to pay $20 a month. Yeah, the the fact that they want to sell the premium for twice the price is a little head-scratching to me. Yeah. Uh, uh, And that's for the first three iterations of this. So $20 a month for that. No, uh, personally, I like the a la carte uh, out of uh, that. Uh, out of the t- so, yeah. the third ver- option of yeah, this. Re- well, no, the, the third option is uh, really different. Once again, the basic is the same: uh, the early unlocks and the two uh, hidden games. Premium grants early unlock titles plus titles from previous months. Which, why would you want to uh, pl- uh, pay more than one month if you get all of them? Yeah, it, I, there's probably going to be some kind of limit on or, that. Or like, be like the best hits from it or something. Choose two yeah. hidden games from a list of eight instead of ten from the first iteration. Access to the Humble Trove again, and once again, uh, the 10% uh, discount. I gotta say, I think I like the first iteration. If I had to choose any of them, but I don't like any of them that much. I, I like the yeah. idea, but not the $20 a month. And then the fourth iteration is just weird. So they make the Humble Trove its own thing for six bucks a month. Basic remains the same. Un- early unlocks in the hidden games. But they don't say just two at this point. Uh, the premium is down to 15. Granted early uh, unlock titles. Granted uh, hidden gems. Access to the Humble Trove and 10% uh, Humble Store subscriber discount. So why would I... <laughs> I-, I guess the Humble Trove? But uh, the Humble Trove doesn't... It not that populated yet. 
Yeah. The, I, uh, and they're, I the, think they're really, really putting too much emphasis on this Humble Trove. They want it to be uh, EA Access or you know, whatever it is on the consoles. But I looked at the game list. Are there decent games on there? Yes, but these games also are typically either uh, Humble Originals, which is pretty much the only way you're going to get them unless you uh, sail the high seas. Or they're extremely old and go on heavy discounts. Yeah. Going to, I'm looking for the Trove right now. I don't like the way that the Humble store is laid out. Not one bit. Uh, Humble Monthly Trove. I've got it here. Uh, and there's, let's see, four across, then one, two, five, six, seven, eight, eleven full rows with one spare. So that's 43 games. Mm-hmm. So there's, I mean, there are some decent games in the trove. Yeah, but there's uh, no what? Yeah. Oh my God, gotta have this. At least to me. Yeah. Uh, so some good games just to highlight what's in the trove: Torchlight and Torchlight Two. Hey, our game club. Uh, Galact- Galactic Civilizations Two Ultimate Edition. AI uh, War Collection. Um, Alan Wake's American Nightmare. But I don't see the original Alan Wake in here. No, it's because not. that's been pulled from pretty much everywhere digital. Yeah, and that's about it that I think most people would recognize as being good games. There's some stuff in here that's maybe a little more Shadow niche Run that Returns. some people might like. Oh, I I didn't see that. Okay, yeah, Shadowrun Returns. I think that's, that's probably good. the best one out of the list, unless you really want Overlord. But the Overlord, yeah. Overlord, and Overlord Two go on heavy discounts often. Yeah. So I just don't feel like there's enough of an incentive right now for the Trove. They occasionally rotate games in and out as well. I've got most of these games I own on Steam already. I did get some of the download some of them that I really liked and wanted to keep just in case something ever went wrong. You know, it's always nice to have DRM free copies of stuff. Um, And uh, maybe if someone wants to say play the game club game for this month but doesn't have it i might be able to uh to do something with that if you're uh if you catch my drift but um otherwise yeah i don't i mean the trove just doesn't have a lot of value to it i think yeah but they're putting a lot of value on it out of all of the tiers they've proposed i like the fourth one the best because it basically keeps everything the same except you lose the trove unless you get the premium version. So I would basically keep everything exactly the same. I just, I'm just wondering, you know, if they're uh, trying to get uh, more money out of their subscribers to be able to bring in more higher tier stuff because they have to be hitting some sort of limit with the, their games that they can pull in. Yeah. I mean, just look at Humble just in general. They have six bundles right now, uh, including the monthly. The monthly and the one that they just launched today are the only uh, game ones. There, there are a couple of uh, games in the Bob Ross bundle, but they are absolutely ancient. And the rest of them are book bundles. Yeah. They've also had comic book bundles. And Audio book bundles. Have they a, yeah. Have they ever had a, a film or movie bundle? I don't remember I don't one, recall but... one. I know that they've had... Uh, uh, at least one bundle with uh, Indie Game the Movie in it because that's where I got it. 
They've also had a couple of software bundles, right? Yeah. Uh, that's uh, uh, upgraded by uh, Vegas to Vegas 14 in one of their bundles. Yeah, I hope one of those comes around again. I'd like to do that. Currently, I'm using, uh, what's it called? OpenShot Video Editor, which yeah, is a I good thought you a mess- free video editor. I thought editor. I sent you a message about it, but I guess I didn't because, yeah, uh, it was a $20 upgrade. But uh, that's that's neither here nor there. So yeah, I don't. I'm not a big fan of the any of the changes because they're reducing the value, and you know, I mean, money means different things to different people based on their end. But even if I had a lot more money than I did, because of Steam and my massive library of games, unless I'm just like really head over heels for a game. I don't buy it at full price. And the Humble Monthly provides, in my opinion, some really good value on some recently released games that I would have to wait even longer for to get them at an equivalent price. Yeah, the Humble Monthly for me, unless, you know, pretty much I want one of the first three that's, uh, two or three that's out because they typically are showing more than one. Uh, if there's not something that I must have this instant, it's pretty much a pass for me because it's a sucker's bet. I'll have a good chunk of the indie games, most likely. Yeah. Sure, of the ones that they produce themselves, which typically the humble uh, produced games have been very short or limited in scope. So they're not exactly sellers for me anyway. Yeah. We'll see. We'll see what happens. I might, maybe, I'd really have to think hard about this, but if they announce that they're going to make a change, I might buy like three months or a year and at what they have now unless they say you know no grandfathering in or whatever in which case fuck that noise but they say no grandfather i don't know i might be willing piss people off to no end yeah i might be willing to roll the dice on that because let's see at 12 months that's like a hundred and so i'm actually looking at the tier right now it works out to eleven dollars a month plus one free month so i don't know if that means one of the 12 months is free or you get you, 13 you, months. i think you pay for 11 and the 12th one's free that's typically how it works so that's um 11 times 11 was that 122 something like that 121 100 so that's 121 dollars for at least uh, 33 games that I most likely am not going to have because all of the ones so far that have been their headline games are games that are relatively new, around a year old. And I don't ever buy games that new um, in order to save money. So at least 33 games I'm very likely to not have, plus a chance at some indie games. And, you know, I'm I'm willing to take those odds. Plus, don't forget, so Steam trading cards. Oh yeah, all those Steam trading cards. That's where a lot of my trading card budget has come from the last <laughs> few months, is the Humble Monthly games. Well, uh, I'm sure the AAAs have given a fair chunk. Yeah, they have. A lot of those cards are worth dozens, or, you know, a dozen or so cents. They're worth dozens! They're worth dozens of cents. So yeah. I think that's all I have to say about it, unless you have any more questions about uh, how it works or it, any it's more just, comments uh, or whatever. I'm a little concerned about what this may signify. Uh, if they're just putting out feelers or if 
they're having some trouble behind the scenes or having some logistical trouble because there's a lot of things that this could signal really and it's, re- and it's yeah. really hard to be able to gauge what ex- exactly going on with this um, I hope Humble, Humble isn't having problems because a lot of these indie bundle sites have had problems in the past Yeah, and the fact that Humble Bundle does uh, give to charity as well uh, is a double so I, I don't want them to have trouble but at the same time, I'm not going to you know, go uh, head over heels and buy all their bundles. Yeah, I- I'm not going to buy the Bob Ross bundle. Nothing against Bob Ross, just nothing in that bundle. Inter- well, I will say that the drawing program is interesting, but no. Because it's a software and video bundle for them. And some absolutely ancient games. Uh, couldn't they at least gotten Scrabble Nuts or something, you know? Something to... Scrib- uh, Scribble yeah, Nuts. Sorry. I really like Scribble Nuts. I played... One of the old ones, maybe even the original, on my DS well, back in even like even though it's not the uh, I yeah, don't know thematic because you're not drawing yourself. Yeah, it's the same basic idea. Yeah, Scribblenauts is a lot of. Fun. I think that was I, I genuinely think Scribblenauts was the last game I bought at a physical store, as opposed to either buying it online or buying it digitally. Well, if you bought it was toy, in Walmart, uh, Toys R Us, well, you're gonna have trouble these days. <laughs> I was in Walmart with my girlfriend at the time and she was doing something and I was like I'm going to go to the electronic section and look at video stuff and I saw Scribble Nuts and I was like this game is really cute and it's only like 20 bucks and I have a DS I'm going to buy this my girlfriend thought I was dumb for buying a video game and that was one of the reasons why we broke up just rolled her eyes and said oh, yeah well, Katie's not a big gamer. She understands why I play games and encourages me. Poor Katie. Usually. <laughs> Sometimes. Occasionally. Maybe. So, shall we move along? So, indeed. I got one more enemy before I need to take a break. So, oh, Will okay. Wright returns to game development with mobile title Proxy. Yeah, this was an emotional roller coaster of a headline for me. <laughs> because... I saw Will Wright returning to game development. Yeah. Mobile game. Fuck. Oh. So, this is kind of a non-story for the most part, at least for the next couple of days, because more infos is going to come out during GDC. And this was also announcing a art contest to be able to make art for the game. Am I the only one that's getting a Peter Molehill vibe with this from, uh, you know, Oh, now I'm blanking on uh, the name of the tapping game, you know? Got no, 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 the other tapping game, the one on mobile. No, uh, no, 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 the, but, no, the one that uh, you click to get to the center of the cube. Yeah, I know. And then that had to play, the reward for that was being like the top god and goddess and, and, and getting something. Early I know what you're over. talking about. Yeah, I'm just, uh, yeah. that announcement video uh, just had such a vibe to that to me. And maybe I never quite forgave Will Wright for Spore, because Spore was really dumbed down from what it should have been, or what it was uh, teased to be, I guess I should say, not should have been. Uh, Spore has an interesting development history. If you're Go look it up sometime, because it is fascinating and interesting. But they actually had uh, Robin Williams at one point playing with the uh, creature creator, so you can imagine how that went. <laughs> I've never seen that. I've, there's bound to be a clip oh, on YouTube. I oh, see. yeah. 
Uh, granted, in horrible quality because it was uh, you know, early 2000s. Uh, but uh, Will Wright left game development after the fiasco of Spore and, um, well, what was left of Maxis, basically it's just a name at this point, has really just been coasting along ever since, uh, releasing uh, DLC for DLC at this point <laughs> for The Sims 4. So having Will Wright come back to game development is an interesting thing, and I wonder if this is him kind of dipping his toe into uh, coming back as a more full-time developer because mobile is a more forgiving market. How about that? A more open market than PC gaming. And the reason why I'm not talking about uh, his game proxy is that it's pretty much just an announcement and that's it. And it looks like it's pretty much a sandbox of do things and that's pretty much it which gives me once again a very peter malhew vibe you know you're looking up robin williams yeah. spore aren't you <laughs> yeah i found that clip for later <laughs> i'm reading about proxy right now on the website yeah, there's not a lot of info that i saw at least uh, unless i just missed something D- do you see something there no just a lot of marketing things uh, yeah, a lot of marketing yeah Proxy is a game, comma, an experiment, comma, for players to create and tune their own personal AI, their own proxy. The player controls the concepts and memories, which are the building blocks of their proxy. In the game world, they can sculpt these memories into a fantastic world of experience and exploration. On the one hand, that sounds really cool. On the other hand, it doesn't really sound like anything at all. Yeah, that's why I was getting a very very Peter Molyhue vibe, because this is all you know, promises and a few very nice ideas and that's really about it yeah hmm. and the fact that they're putting out a, you know, a contest for the artist for all of this uh, does not strike me with confidence you know yeah but hey well right's returning they have very proudly displayed, though, from the creators of The Sims, SimCity, and Spore. Uh, maybe you shouldn't mention Spore in your marketing, because Spore is definitely a black mark. <laughs> yeah, we've talked about Spore before, though, several yeah. times. Because I have, I liked Spore, but I didn't see any of the marketing stuff for it, so I was not overhyped. I'm not. I'm like not now. even sure if I was overhyped. I was just hyped and wondered what they were prom- what they were promising. It's not even yo know, uh, expecting more of the game than what they uh, said it would be. It was very Peter Molyneux esque, which is maybe why I dislike him so much. Grid, not nearly as much as Guru Larry. If you ever watched his videos, I have not. Uh, pretty much every single uh, vi- video he's ever done. Is, has some dig to Peter Molyneux in the very beginning. Nice. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so short topic, but once again, pretty much a, a an announcement for a contest and a couple uh, pretty promises and uh, digging up old memories and reopening bad wounds. Yeah. I'll, uh, I'll keep an eye on this, I think. I'm always on the lookout for... Uh fun interesting mobile game i mean game. i hope that i'm uh yeah surprised by this and proxy is proven to be something interesting because i gotta admit mobile gaming for the most part bores the fuck out of me it's either too shallow is full of microtransactions to do anything 
or um, or full timers. I mean, I think I just described yeah. about eighty percent of mobile gaming. Yeah. Sometimes though, there's some good stuff in there. Oh, maybe mobile gaming is meant for a different market than me because it's all very short experiences. And uh, and for me, I just I sit down and I start playing City Skylines and look. Oh, look, the sun's up. How about that? Yeah. Yeah, well, that's one of the reasons earlier that I said I liked Marvel Puzzle Quest as a mobile game. You can sit, and there's no limits. You can play it for hours if you want to, or you can just play for a few minutes. Yeah, I ended up uh, spending and... hours in City Skylines just uh, uh, designing a nice uh, metro system. You know, uh, making the trains go, watching all the people go back and forth, and then watching the sun come up. It's like, oh shit. I haven't posted my video yet for the day. I need to go upload that now. <laughs> yeah. Usually for what I've been doing with Puzzle Quest is I'll lay in bed after I wake Katie up so that she can get ready to start teaching. I'll lay down in bed. I'll turn on uh, something on TV and I'll play Puzzle Quest on my phone until it's almost dead. Because every night when I lay down, it's usually around 25% battery mm-hmm. and I'll play it until it's nearly dead. And I'm like, okay, now it's time for me to go to bed. My phone's almost dead. That's like an hour and a half or so. It's perfect. Yeah, I, I'm a little surprised I haven't seen anything close to Peggle on mobile that I've found at least. Can't you get Peggle on mobile? Uh, I'm not sure. It might only be on iOS. Uh, there is Peggle Blast, but uh, it's, I'm not sure, uh, you know. That's a. I'm surprised that there's no ripoffs of it, you know. Yeah, and there's a lot of people one voting it. Pretty much anything below four stars is cancer on <laughs> Google Play these days. Usually, yeah. Alrighty, well, are we done with this news topic? I think then? so. Okay. Well, we are going to take a short break, and when we come back, we'll continue on with the news. And we return from our break to the news. The news, uh, PUBG, PlayerUnknown's Battlegrounds, is possibly working on region locking. <laughs> so this is this is a little bit of a combination from a news article that I saw from last week, uh, where that they had implemented a new anti-cheat system, and then the news article that has got this uh, talking about region locking, they've removed the anti-cheat system because it broke many things for many players in the yeah. game. Was it also Some of them randomly so much... uh, uh, banning people as well for a while? Um, I don't remember seeing that anywhere. I, I think uh, it may have been another anti-cheat system because they had to do this a couple times now uh, where yeah. uh, it was just randomly blocking people. <laughs> it was uh, triggering off something. Uh, but... Uh, there was uh, some sort of thing that it was triggering on. People were actually speculating that uh, that it was based around. Uh, now, granted, this is all uh, secondhand knowledge, and uh, yeah, one of the commandants uh, trust but verify. But uh, people were thinking that it was trying to combat uh, the speed hackers. You know, people just warping around like crazy. But they didn't account for the horrendous lag and rubber banding in the game. So if the game would uh, see someone rubber band, it would go over the speed limit and, oh, you're banned. That's That, doesn't that, that was some of the uh, speculation on uh, one of the triggers. Uh, granted, 
no confirmation on this whatsoever. I doubt that they would ever com uh, confirm this because, you know, why would they? But yeah, the, the PUBG has had some interesting times with uh, uh, cheating to the point where they've lost their number one spot on Twitch. Yep, to Fortnite. Uh, and didn't they also say that they would uh, they wouldn't consider region locking because they considered it racist? Yeah, <laughs> but now they're considering region locking. Whenever this second or whenever this anti cheat system, the most recent one, failed. Most players on forums and on their subreddit and things like that just started demanding region locking. Apparently, a large source of the cheaters come from China. Which, uh, once again, secondhand knowledge, people uh, could be talking out of their ass, but a lot of the Chinese cheaters go to just uh, uh, internet cafes and you know, cheat on the open uh, computers there. Or just you know, buy cheap copies. Yeah. Or, you know, just ground out for um, money uh, with their uh, in-game items, which is a thing uh, more prevalent in China. And buy a copy, uh, cheat as much as they can to get as good items as they can to be able to transfer to a secondary account. And, oh, if it gets banned, oh, so what? You already got uh, your chicken dinners and all that. I had a chicken dinner tonight. I haven't had dinner yet. I have a, I had a delicious... Uh, some some delicious grilled chicken with uh, roasted red potatoes and fried well we're on to our second break now <laughs> fried bell peppers uh but uh, the fact that they uh, uh, flip flop after going after everyone saying that was racist never mind the fact that it, yeah there the reason why the stereotype was there was because you know there is some truth to it not all uh Hackers are Chinese, and not all uh, Chinese are hackers, but they did have a very strong presence, and also the Chinese market is fucking huge for this game, to the fact that it bumps it up, what, two places on the Steam uh, top list? Yeah. yeah. There's over a million players in China. So, it's, well. yeah, it's not exactly surprising. That they would uh, be standing against it. Granted, calling it racist is a bit much. Yeah, I think so too. And they were originally talking about doing a ping block or a uh, or a ping uh, a thing, uh, but uh, yeah, but the problem with that is that a, a lot of the Chinese players are playing via VPN, and VPNs are actually very popular in China because of the Great Firewall of China. You know, ironically enough, uh, who knew? Uh, you know, uh, banning a. Uh, 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 the public internet makes the private internet and getting around it a lot more popular. Yeah, how about that? Yep. Uh, almost like uh, we could learn a lesson from that. But if they go off the ping from the server that the VPN ends on, if it ends in America, they'll see it as an American player. So, you know, the, it, it may, uh, region locking may not even stop the VPN cheaters. Because who knows, right? It depends on how they implement it. And with PUBG, it is anyone's guess, to be honest. Because it, it, PUBG, look, on a technical level, just looks like a dumpster fire. Yep, it's got a lot of problems. A lot of, a lot of performance problems. Which those in our audience who play say that some of those have been ironed out. But if, 
if uh, Fortnite is supposed to be the superior in terms of at the at least objectively or, or a less buggy game with better servers, I can't imagine playing on PUBG because almost all of my issues with with Fortnite came from the battle royale mode, having to deal with server lag and uh, just weird graphical glitches until enough people died that the servers emptied enough that the game ran like it was supposed to. It just uh, PUBG is just so, such a weird, and the fact that they keep digging their hole, I, I do wonder if uh, we're going to be talking about how PUBG really squandered their lead in the genre like DayZ did back in the day, or H1Z1 uh, beyond that, or uh, past that, whatever, you know, whatever uh, order they came out, both were leaders of their genre at the time which leads directly into the battle royale genre which h1z1 has completely converted into at this point <laughs> yeah well i mean all games lose popularity eventually at some yeah, point at but, some point i mean PUBG was on top for what a, a year if that mm-hmm. and that's a pretty short amount of time in it for a, a game that has the potential to last for many years. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, it's not saying that PUBG is exactly hurting for player numbers, but they, they no, uh, they're still up they're there. Down approximately fifteen percent of their uh, user base from January, well, or I should say, their player base, their concurrent players. I mean, that's quite the fall, and they are on a downward trend. Now, the question is if that's ongoing or not, because it's always hard to say. And who knows yeah. what this uh, region lock could actually do or how they even implement it, because it all comes down to implementation. If they uh, set it up where you know, uh, uh, regions are too small or they uh, screw it up again because they've had many instances of just screwing up their uh, uh, anti-cheat. I could just see them hurting more and more and more. Checking to see if any one of my friends is playing PUBG right uh, now. To, uh, to bug them? <laughs> no. The answer to that question is no. I think Cube was playing earlier today. Maybe that was yesterday. But right now he's not. Yeah, I'm just... I'm going to Steam Spot to see what the demographic is for China because there is a definite reason why people win the Chinese region lock uh, specifically. Let's see... Audience total, no, it would be geography, uh, over time share, and I need to log in. No, I'm not a robot. Okay, no. Huh, it looks like they uh, blocked, uh, oh, never mind, there it is. Okay, so yeah, China has 41% of the uh, player base with 47% of the players total or owner base and 47% of the of the players total so nearly 50% with the US uh, falling way behind at 8.4% of players total yeah, that was in the what the 20s or the 30s before like at the end of last year I think so it was a lot more even uh, and yeah. here's the thing also I mean, it, is that the U.S. has a big divergence of the in the other way where more people own the game but don't play it. 12.1% uh, 
own it, but only 8.4% play it. I mean, a game can absolutely completely survive based on the Chinese population yeah. alone. I mean, and I that mean, may be lot, where they choose I mean, to take it. A lot of it. people, a lot of uh, game developers would kill for the Chinese numbers alone. Yeah. I mean, just the Chinese players alone. Hang on, let's bring up the Steam stats. Okay, so just the Chinese players alone would still propel a game to number one. Well, number two behind player uh, behind PUBG right now, but it would uh, be more than twice the player count of Dota two at current. Uh, yeah, if we're talking concurrent, yeah, you know, with uh, play, uh, uh, Chinese player numbers. Granted, you'd be completely out of sync with everyone else, but and that's beside the point. It, PUBG is such a thing. I, I hope that you know there's some sort of documentary on it later. You know, talking about behind the scenes stuff. Yeah, I'd love to see something about, regardless of where what PUBG winds up becoming mm-hmm. in the end. You know, do they recover from their sort of fumbles they've had, or do they just lose it? you know, lose out to Fortnite or something else in the genre. Like regardless, I'd still love to see at least the rise, like the story behind that. I bet it's insane. Well, let's put it this way. It has, according to steam spa, nearly 33 billion owners now with a margin of error of 175,000. So basically 33 million owners. Yeah. With, just shy or right around 20 million players in the last two weeks. I mean, that's still a hell of a uh, capture rate. But uh, if they can't handle the cheater problem, they're just going to keep shedding people because uh, they've lost a lot of their big streamers going to Fortnite and other games, you know, not even just staying in genre, because it's irritated them. And that's your big marketing. Because PUBG is very much word of mouth still. Is it? Well, word of mouth from one player to another. But, you know, it, it's really gone viral. So maybe it's not, it doesn't require so much of the Twitch streamers these days now that I really think about it. But the Twitch streamers definitely were a driving force. I don't think you could really deny that one. No, they definitely were. Alrighty. Ready to move it I on? I think so. Moving on then to our final news topic. Atari reveals info on its new console. This is going to be a lot of speculation. I think you said that the, what, official release was tomorrow? Uh, yeah, the official tech stuff behind this, uh, behind this is, I believe, Wednesday. Uh, with the pre-order date uh, during April. But one of the major things that they're trying to do with this is that they're trying to make it a multimedia box, a sort of an in-between of what the Ouya was and a major console. And it's just really making me scratch my head because this I'm getting Ouya vibes all over again from this. Where they are going to be a gaming machine, but not quite console level. Yeah. So... I like, first of all, I like the design. Uh, uh, do we uh, do we know that these are real uh, th- photos th- is, and not some th- kind of concept this is, or something? Uh, CGI uh, uh, art, so. Uh, I really hope it looks like it does. I, 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 I like the, that... uh, the style of the controller where it looks 
like uh, you know the original Atari joystick with the red uh, analog stick. Yeah, it's it's retro futurist. I, I like that, but um, but it's very much the Xbox style uh, uh, setup. It looks like. Sort of. I mean, yeah, that, yeah. That's uh, definitely Xbox because it was a little hard to see, but that's a a D pad uh, next to the right thumbstick. Yeah. Also, the buttons say A X B Y, and they're in the Xbox controlation. I mean, the Xbox controller, the with the three sixty controller moving on. That's pretty much the standard for controller layouts. Yeah, now. unless you get some sort of weird mutant like the Steam controller, which is still pretty close. They just have the the touchpad on it instead of the second mm-hmm. analog stick. Well, it was nearly Otherwise, very, the buttons are it the was same nearly, place. nearly very different, so because they went through a lot of iterations on that. Yeah. Uh but they're talking about Ryzen chips and having this be a Linux box and I'm just I'm sitting here wondering what they're planning for this because it's if they're trying to market it to gamers, I think people that would want this box would just build their own damn Linux machine. Yeah, what this would be good for is if it is a... You do get a, a, a media center thing, kind of like a Roku or an Amazon or something like that. Like, it has that functionality, but also comes preloaded or maybe with, like, unlimited access to some sort of Atari server full of games that you can download to it and just play that way. So, you know, you get those games as part of just buying the thing because I was, uh, I went to visit my parents over the weekend and my dad was talking to me about, I don't remember where he said he'd heard about it, but emulators. And he said he wanted to play some older games that he grew up with when he was a kid and played when he was a teenager and stuff and asked me how, how emulators work and if I could, help him make one of some Mm -hmm. kind because he wants like he doesn't want them on his computer he wants like a dedicated thing for emulation um and this would be great for people like that you know have access to most of the atari library i don't know if they could do all of it just because of licensing and stuff but a good chunk of it i think you would be able to sell it to an older demographic who wants that and also it could double if they've got one of those other uh, multimedia type things hooked up to their TV because my parents have one um, in their living room, but this would replace that. And I don't know what they do with it, but I mean, I could totally see my dad buying one of these, putting it in their living room so that he could have his Netflix and his Amazon and also play old Atari games on a, on a joystick. Assuming of course it has those uh, functions because we don't know. Right. This is all right. speculation. We don't know yet. I really hope it does have those functions, though, and it's not too expensive. Though the reason that those Roku's and all that jazz work so well is because they're so cheap. I mean, you can buy one for like thirty bucks because they're really cheap inside. They don't need any. Well, not any. They need some, but they don't need very much processing power. Um, so you know they just build them with cheap components and pretty sparse on the inside, but this being some sort of gaming box, if they're going to be running all of the software side, then they would need a little bit more processing well, power. Uh, here's where the uh, uh, the problem comes in, is that I've heard people throwing around Ryzen chips with this, which starts to put it in the couple hundred dollar range. Are there any mobile versions of the Ryzen I'm chips? I'm not sure. 
doing some quick Googling. Uh, but if this is above, let's say, 150 to 200, this is dead. Unless they uh, have some sort of awesome software to deal with it. Because, once again, it's not that difficult to build these things. And if they're trying to sell this as a multimedia PC, that this is going to hit the same problem that the Steam Box did. Remember the Steam Box? Yeah. I liked the idea of the Steam Boxes, but they were too they expensive. They were too expensive for what you got. And the ones that uh, were actually a decent deal, you would be far better off just buying a PC anyway. Because they were usually some sort of compromise in order to fit them into the profile. And that's what I'm expecting this to almost be. Some sort of a steam box, but it's wood grain. Yeah. Alright, so Ryzen does have several versions of mobile processors. Um, some of them that might work with this for what they want to do are in the hundred dollar range, uh, anywhere from ninety five to one hundred and twenty dollars. Right? Yeah, and that's at consumer level pricing. So it is possible they could be using one of the lower powered, less expensive uh, mobile Ryzen chips in it, and they would be getting them perhaps at fifty to seventy five dollars a chip, which would still you know, on that alone would make it more expensive than a Roku, but if they offer enough additional functionality to make the price worth it, then I could see this being a, a, a niche product that sells well to a niche audience. I don't think that this will get as widespread as any other gaming console or Roku or the, the Fire Stick or Google's, whatever it is, that's the same thing. I can't even think of the name for it now. The, the Google Stick. Yeah, I'm just trying to find out who owns Atari these days because the Atari names passed through so many hands. Uh, let's see. I, uh, yeah, th th there's just an entire list here. In uh, Info Games, according to this. So who are Info Games and are they worth half a shit? Because I don't recognize that name. Neither do I. Let's see. Uh, Atari SA, a form, uh, formerly uh, Info Games, is a as uh, a French multinational holding company. Oh, that uh, that's a, a good sign right away. Its substitutes, uh, subsidiaries include Atari Interactive and Atari Inc. Because uh, uh, continuing pressures upon the company and difficulty finding investors, it sought bankruptcy in the under French law in 2013. The subsidiaries in the United States uh, were sought, uh, Chapter 11. Blah, blah, blah. So it's held by a French company these days, it looks like. Some of it is. Yeah, some. Uh, looks like some of it is also owned by Infinity Networks. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. When, whenever we're talking Atari these days, we could be talking about probably a half a different, different companies now. Because there's. Uh, Atari got completely shattered during late 80s, early 90s. Huh. Apparently there's an Atari cryptocurrency. Of course there is. That's good That's good to know. Now, now I have a question. Uh, I have a question about the Atari cryptocurrency. Do they produce too much of it and it, 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 it just crashes the market every so often? <laughs> well, that's crypto in general, so it's going to have to do something more useful. Well, whenever you start seeing ET come out, you sell. 
What is the Atari crypto? Oh, it's called the Atari token. Can I mine Atari tokens just for shits and giggles? <laughs> I'll look this. I'll look this up later. You're you're mine Atari joysticks. <laughs> that would be lovely. Oh, Bitcoin is down to nine thousand seventeen dollars a coin. <laughs> Actually, sorry, it's up to nine thousand seventeen. Yes. Oh, so I have a question. Is this good for Bitcoin? Is an Atari token good for Bitcoin? Yes. Probably not, because it splits the market even farther on how many cryptocurrencies there are. Oh, no, there now are. there's a thousand and one currencies. I did not realize how many. I knew that there were a lot, but I recently discovered how many cryptocurrencies there were. There's thousands of them. Yeah, and most of them uh, are worth not even the ones and zeros they're printed on. But let's not let's not get into a discussion yeah, about uh, cryptocurrency. Yeah, I can't find who uh, is actually the company behind this, which is not a good sign. Getting a little bit happy. The cryptocurrency that I've been working on mining heavily is going up in value. Sell, sell, sell. Then I'll make like $3. Regret, regret, regret. <laughs> no, I'm just going to keep mining away. Well, like I've said before, it's a fun little hobby, something to follow and work yeah, on. Yeah, until you burn out your video card. I'll just buy another one. Oh, wait. So I can't even find who the company is behind this unless it mentions it in the Game Informer article and I'm just missing it. No, I didn't see it in there. Which I have to admit is... I'll check again, though. Troublesome. I'm actually getting timed out on the article. I'm not sure if it's just Firefox doing its own thing, but yeah, that... The fact that we're not seeing who the company is behind this is very troublesome. And it can mean, you know, once again, who knows who knows who owns the uh, rights to the Atari label, let, let alone the rights of an Atari console. And because there's so many different companies in play here with the name Atari, it's tough to say who, who or what games you would get. Or if this is just going to be some sort of fancy Linux box. Yeah. So it was initially crowdsourced by someone. <laughs> but it doesn't say who. It just says that it was crowdsourced. And then you click on the little link within the article and it still doesn't say who crowdsourced it. <laughs> this seems like such a scam now that we really start digging down into it, huh? Yeah. But hey, uh, pre-orders are coming up uh, in April. And there's someone who's an official... That's making some statements, but there's no name given. <laughs> I'm trying to find I, the old Indiegogo campaign, but I can't seem to find it. <laughs> I don't think that this is a scam. I just think that this is weird. Maybe this is all just some elaborate April Fool's joke. Or it's an ARG. We found an ARG, guys. Quick, start uh, mining Atari tokens. We got to get to the end of the blockchain. <laughs> got to figure it out. Uh, unfortunately, in order to figure it out, you have to suffer, th uh, suffer through ET. Okay, so apparently Atari put it up <laughs> on Indiegogo, but it doesn't say which specific Atari, which subsidiary or branch or department. It just says Atari. We're we're we've got to be way overthinking this. Just like we're too familiar, and instead of just accepting it at face value, we're like, no, we've got to get to the bottom of this. 
Yeah, there's something uh, strange going on with this. Indigo. I'm just going to go search Indiegogo and see if I can find Okay, uh, who wants to bet it's just going to list Atari? And that's it. Atari box. There are a lot of projects with Atari in the title on Indiegogo. Let's see if I can... Did they say specifically it was on Indiegogo? Yeah. Indiegogo might not keep a good history of projects um, compared to... I'm drawing a blank. What's the big one? The other one? Kickstarter? Kickstarter. Yeah. They have... they Kickstarter keeps really good history of projects but maybe indiegogo doesn't keep as good of a history uh well i'm i found it and it just literally is a couple pictures oh okay well i did not find it so good job you did it i could google (laughs) and their video is just a complete uh yeah it's slowly panning over one uh, CGI box, and then it lights up with the Atari logo. Coming soon. Get uh, be the first to know. AtariBox.com. AtariBox.com. This may be a completely different one. <laughs> Reinventing the way you game again, and that's an old Atari. Oh, there's the new one. No, no information. <laughs> I. I amazing five years from today people are going to say come over to my house so i can show them this new atari game this console is going to be amazing says marcus s <laughs> marcus s was uh, definitely not paid for that statement you know the fun part is all this speculation and wondering and by the time this episode releases all the info should be out see that's fun that that's where it's fun though we can come back come back and comment on how wrong or how right we were well, we were right. It was an Atari of some sort. So what do you think the price of this is going to be? I, I, I say they're going to be completely out of touch and be 300 I was going to say they're probably going to shoot too high and go for 299 This would sell. This would definitely sell 100 bucks. It would probably sell really well at 150 At 200 you're at the point where most people are going to go, eh, I don't know. And then they're gonna go for two ninety nine, and then nobody's gonna buy it. And then you get have a, a Steam box all over. Yep. But we wanted to create a killer TV product where people could game, stream, and browse with as much freedom as possible, including accessing the pre-owned games from other content providers. Now Atari has resurfaced <laughs> with a plan to go completely uh, bankrupt once again. <laughs> <laughs> part of part of what's going to make it cost more too is how many controllers they include. Yeah. They'll have to include something. I'd say that they'll include the, 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 the retro no, no, joystick. No, no. They'll rip off Nintendo and they'll bring back the power glove. That would be pretty cool, actually. <laughs> like a really weird, shitty way. Like it'd be cool in a really weird, shitty way. Well, with modern electronics, uh, the power glove could actually work a lot better because uh, the power glove was using fiber optics. Well, not even fiber optics, but it was using light tubes and was measuring the amount of light uh, uh, that the bend was blocking uh, to try to guess at how much the uh, hand was closed or open. Did you actually uh, not know that? 
I thought it used IR. Uh, it, it was uh, a really uh, shitty no, old no, no, version uh, of IR. It used IR for uh, positional tracking, but to uh, for uh, the hand movements, it was using uh, okay. essentially tubes with lights in them. Didn't know that. Cool. Now, now the power glove could just use GPS. I <laughs> <laughs> uh, only have to move three hundred feet to <laughs> move the cursor. Get your exercise in. That's that's it. They'd market it as an exercise tool or piece of exercise equipment. Uh, a new Pokemon Go. Well, speaking of which, did you know that there's a version of Pokemon Go now uh, coming out with the Jurassic Park? Yes. Yes, I learned that today. My mom sent me a thing on on Facebook. Like, look at this new Jurassic Park thing. I'm like, that's great, Mom. You'll never play it. Neither will I. Because it's Pokemon Go. I saw it no. uh, in my suggested upcoming games. It's like, yo, you, obviously you do not you do not know me. I looked at Pokemon Go and I had it installed for less than five minutes, and we are way off topic. <laughs> yep. Yep. I don't. I don't have any more speculation on the Atari console. Do you? Uh, only that it'll crash and burn, but at least it'll burn really well because it'll be really great. <laughs> All right. Well, I hope I'm wrong though. With that. Yeah, I hope I'm that you're wrong too because i would love it to do well yeah then we could uh talk about how cool the atari is once again like the the old men we are actually i don't think i've ever talked about the atari being cool because it was uh the original was before my time uh came in after the crash and uh i remember vaguely the uh, the atari jaguar being an utter joke yeah so atari was never cool in my time cool (laughs) <laughs> all right well let's move on to the next portion of our show which is our community corner we have an audio letter this week from kyle and crash do you want to do that first or do we have any uh, we have tweets? no tweets I don't remember. whatsoever so it's just kyle and crash this week greetings jay arthur and caffeine rage this is kyle and this is crash So today, Crash and I are going to be talking about The Surge, which is a game that we've both been playing and that we both have some pretty strong opinions on. So, Crash, do you want to run them through just basically what this game is? Yeah, sure, bro. Alright, so The Surge is basically Dark Souls, but way, way more fun than the original Dark Souls. Whoa, 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 hold up, wait. More fun? More fun? Okay, that's an opinionated thing. Let's just... Can you tell them what you mean when you say it's basically Dark Souls? Yeah, alright, bro. Jeez. Alright, so what I mean by that is you have to balance health and stamina. Now, what the Surge has that Dark Souls really doesn't is an energy meter, which allows you to basically crack off some pretty freaking sick combos and other sweet effects. Right, and the other thing, too, is that the combat is actually pretty hard and challenging, but that kind of falls apart towards the end of every level, but we'll get into that. So, I mean, what did you think of this game overall, Crash? This game is so fucking sick, bruh. I mean, you can basically just farm resources if you need them. You can have an easier combat system if you need to. So what I mean by that is each enemy usually has an unarmored spot on their body. You can attack that and sit there and just rack up the damage on these brosifs, but you also don't get any upgrade material for it. So it's a nice balance between farming for resources and ease of gameplay. Right, absolutely. I agree with you on this point. I mean, I think it's pretty nifty that uh, you can go up to an enemy and, let's say, you need to upgrade your armor on your arm. Uh, You can slice off an armored part of arm and get some of the resources that you need to upgrade your equipment. Now, the problem is the equipment versus level thing is sort of where this game falls apart. 
Souls has traditionally been a very equipment-based RPG, but you also had to upgrade your stats, and that had very tangible effects on the gameplay experience. The difference here is that the equipment is basically what dictates your stats here, and leveling up just allows you to carry more stuff. Now this wouldn't be a problem really, except the game dictates that you have to level up, but in order to actually see any tangible benefit, you need to upgrade your equipment. So essentially it's trying to have its cake and eat it too, and I feel like that sums up my feelings for this game very strongly. Bro, Furthermore, what the hell are you I think it's describing the same damn game. I mean, basically, yeah, you need to level up your equipment, but there's nothing forcing you to level up your core. That's just so that you can carry more stuff and make the game easier on yourself. Honestly, man, I don't see how this is a freaking problem. Right, and I would be inclined to agree with you if that's actually what the game did. Unfortunately, there are certain areas that are gated off by level, and these are areas that are in the original, like, tutorial area, the second level, the third level. You come across these areas that you can't access until you're a higher level. Now, that's kind of an interesting way to gate off progression, and it telegraphs that you're going to have to come back to certain areas, but it also contributes to a large amount of confusion that I experienced while playing this game. <laughs> Yo, bro, didn't you go to college? Are you telling me that this game is smarter than you? <laughs> Some kind of scholar you are, Jesus, man. No, sh shut up. No, this game it has very poor conveyance and explaining things. For example, and I'm going to spoil a game that almost nobody here except Jared, I think, has played. Uh, in the first area, you need to catch a train to get to the second area. Well, you find the train pretty early in your exploration, and it just says the train is not operational at this time. It doesn't tell you what's wrong with the train, it just says it's not operational at this time. So there's a power plant immediately next to the train station, and you think, alright, maybe you need to go turn on the power. So after I shit you not about an hour of exploration, I finally find a little switch, and I flip it. And it basically says, the power has been restored to the power plant area. So all of the lights came back on, and I think, oh, okay, cool. The lights are now on in this super dark area, and I need to go find the switch to get the train running. So I go through this whole area and then find a shortcut that loops back to the beginning area, which this game had been giving me a few of those so far, so I figured, alright, I need to go deeper into the power plant. When I went back there, there was only one way to go, and it was filled with toxic sludge, and I'm trying to figure out how to get through there. It wasn't until I gave up and went back to the train area thinking, alright, well maybe I missed something, that it triggered a boss fight, and after I beat it, I could get on the train. So, bro, what you're saying is you just didn't think to go back to the area that had the train in it? Come on, that sounds like you're blaming the game for your problems. Sure, I guess, but I also had no reason to go back there. The game kept giving me shortcuts back to the hub area that were further and further away from this, so that, to me, told me that I needed to keep going farther and farther in, rather than just turning around and going to the train station. Basically, conveyance is the idea of a game telling you what uh, needs to be done without actually popping up like a little screen that says, hey dumb shit, go here. And I guess that's my biggest problem with the game in general, is that it doesn't tell you jack or shit about anything for how to play it. Now, I know that people say that Souls does the same thing, but it really, really doesn't. The reason is because in the Asylum Bro, area... Are you okay, right you're now? Talk over Souls absolutely it. does the same thing. They just put a couple of messages on the ground that tell you what the controls are, slap you on the ass, and send you on your merry way. 
Sure, I guess you could see it that way, but also think about this. In the Asylum area of Dark Souls, the only thing that you can really interact with in the beginning of the game are the messages on the ground. And by reading those, you can then try out these skills in a very low-risk environment. The people you're meant to try out the skills on aren't going to fight back. That way you have a very low-risk area to try out what you're learning. Yeah, bro. The Surge does the exact same thing, man. I mean, literally, your tutorial area is like you're just fighting these little bots that really don't do that much damage to you. And, you know, it's the same damn thing, right? On paper, yeah, it would kind of sound like that, but the main difference comes from level design, not necessarily how challenging the enemies are. Level design? Level design, bruh? <laughs> Alright, I really can't wait to hear where you're going with this. Alright, calm down, you jumped-up green little shit. So what I mean by that is the level design and the combat style match. For example, in Dark Souls, occasionally, yes, you do run into ambushes, but the combat is much more shield-focused. That is to say, if you get into trouble, you can back up, shield up, and study your enemies while you have a relatively safe environment to do so. In Bloodborne, you don't really have this. You have a pistol and your primary weapon, and they generally don't drop ambushes on you for this reason. They present you with all of the information as you enter an area. And my problem is, the Surge really doesn't do that. It has a Bloodborne-style combat, which is very fast, very fighty, but it has a Souls-level design, where you can still get ambushed. And this game does not handle fighting multiple enemies at the same time very well. Now, mind you, Souls doesn't really do that either, but as I said, in Souls, you have a shield and you can back up to where you can get the advantage. Yeah, bruh, you just need to kite and fight, bruh. You have your little drone, right? So all you have to do is just have that little guy fire at an enemy. The enemy gets pissed, comes over to you, starts trying to beat the crap out of you, bam, bam, boom, fighting one enemy at a time. Yeah, sure, that's fine, as long as they don't drop an enemy on you from literally fucking nowhere. Yeah, alright, so that is pretty annoying, but hey, it's like Edge of Tomorrow, right? What, in that there are, like, mech rigs, or that you have to die literally a metric ass ton of times before you can start getting good at the game? Well, uh, both I Hold on, did you just say that you have to die literally like a metric ass ton of times to get good at the game? Isn't that the same thing with Souls? Well, yeah, sure, I guess, but Souls doesn't have the audacity to put a timer on getting your resources back. So, to explain... In Dark Souls, when you die, you lose all of your souls, and they go to the ground where you died. Now, if you can make it back there, you can get all of your souls back. But if you die before that, you get a new pile of souls from whatever you have on you at the time. Now, the Surge does kind of the same thing, except it also puts a clock on it. So if you can't get back to your souls in the Surge within like two and a half minutes, you're not getting them back. So it's not necessarily being good at the game, it's also being good and fast at the game. What do you think about that, huh, Crash? Well, bruh, it sounds like you just need to... Don't say it. Get good, bruh. God damn it, Crash. Well, no, bruh. I mean, even you were saying to me when we were playing the game that uh, as you go through, towards the end of the levels, it gets way easier. It's because you're becoming better at the game. So, I mean, yeah, you are kind of getting good, bruh. 
Well, no, not really. I mean, that's just banging my head against the wall until I can get resources that can push me through that area. So what I mean is the weapons that you start an area with generally are very, very underpowered for that area, and you have to upgrade them. It's not necessarily a matter of making do with what you have. It's you need to get the next biggest and best thing in order to brute force your way through an area. And that's not really a good way to design a game where somebody can literally do the same thing over and over, farm enough stuff, and then break through the wall. I think that games need to be a bit more skill-based than that. Well, that's just, like, your opinion, man. I mean, I personally quite like the idea of having to bang my head against enough resources to go ahead and upgrade and become better. It's the idea of player empowerment versus the idea of character empowerment. I love it when my character gets better, and therefore I get better at the game. It's basically two different thoughts. See, what Dead 13 was trying to do was bring the Souls mechanics into a futuristic setting, and I think they did a hell of a job, and they didn't really leave anything out. Solid Big Lebowski reference, but they didn't leave anything out? Are you sure about that, Crash? Where are you going with this, man? Well, this game takes place in the future. Now, I don't know what kind of future we're looking at, but I know that right now, we have guns. And what I'm going to go ahead and claim is that this game would be so much better if you had ranged options in addition to your melee options. You'd be able to basically take a look at a group of enemies, pick off the most dangerous ones, and then go in and fight it in your own time. Now, Souls does this. You have pyromancy, magic, and good old-fashioned bow and arrows if you need them. Yeah, okay, so what you're saying is you want to take a melee-focused game and add guns to it? So what, you want to just go play Gears of War 2 or something? No, that's not what I'm saying at all. I'm saying that if the uh, game treated ranged options like Souls treats magic, it would have made the game so much more tolerable. For example, those ambush areas, well, if you get ambushed, you can start backing up, picking off the most threatening enemies, and then going in to finish up with melee. And that would be a good way to get around having a shield. I mean, Bloodborne did that too. Now, the pistols in Bloodborne were basically designed to help parry enemies, but it was a way for you to target enemies that you wanted to remove first. The fact of the matter is, Deck 13 got pretty close to making a Soulsborne game, and... I don't know, I feel like it's just missing something, whether it's shields, whether it's better ranged options, whether it's combat that doesn't make me want to throw my computer across the room. I don't know. I mean, Crash, do you have any closing thoughts on this? Yeah, I guess you're right. That would make the game better, and it would make some of the more annoying areas way more tolerable. I don't know. My opinions have basically dried up. I've said all I need to say about this game, and it sounds like you've said all you need to say about this game. Yeah, I suppose you're right. That sounds like about as good a point as any to end this audio letter, so without further ado, I've been Kyle. And I've been Crash. And we hope you have a good night. So anyways, Crash, do you want to go do something after this, or...? Uh, hell yeah, bro. You want to go hit up like 220 Main or something? I hear they're having some pretty good drinks. Yeah, you're going to make so much uh, Steam trading cards uh, when uh, Kyle finally breaks. <laughs> yes. Uh, first of all, excellent audio letter, you too. Uh, it was lovely and wonderful produced, and I had several chuckles. Um, I agree with most of what you said, Kyle, and and most of the things that I don't agree with are things that are pretty much just left up to player interpretation and player, you know, the what they enjoy in games. I did make a couple of notes, though, a few points um, that I wanted to discuss or at least just bring up. So when you talk about player conveyance uh, and your example heading back down into the power plant 
to try and explore that further. Um, I disagree with the game's conveyance. I feel like it does a really good job of telling you what to do without explicitly telling you what to do. And this is something that we talked about before. I'm not sure how much of that is the difference in just the player style or the play style between you and I or how much of it is you're used to Dark Souls whereas I'm not. And so a game that is trying to be uh, like Dark Souls but isn't how much of that gets lost in translation to someone who is a Dark Souls player versus someone who comes in brand new because I found it quite obvious most of the time to be like okay the game definitely doesn't want me to go this way there's some sort of impassable barrier that it doesn't appear there's a way around so I will go somewhere else and continue my exploration and Dark Souls I think has got a lot more ways around that kind of stuff either secret paths or you can use your like skills or exploit maybe glitches or something not a hundred percent on that last part just things i've heard people talk about and seen before um you know you can use all of those things to get past what seems like an impassable barrier so it's not really impassable until you've reached a certain level you just have to figure out the secret and as far as i can tell the surge doesn't have that but i don't have that experience in dark souls that keeps telling me no if i bang my head against this problem a little while longer i will find the next path so yeah, I don't know how much of that is just your playstyle versus my playstyle. Or the hundreds of hours of Dark Souls. Yeah, or that. Um, I don't think that you're dumb. I don't remember if you said that during our conversation or if that was in this letter. But uh, you said was, something it, to the effect it was in of maybe the, uh, the letter. Okay, yeah, you said something to the effect of maybe you're too stupid. I don't think that's the case. Uh, I, not only that, but you're also a good gamer, and people who are good at games that skill tends to transfer from game to game and you can figure stuff like that out faster so i don't think that it's you're dumb or that you're bad i think it has to do with either just our general play styles or your massive amount of experience with dark souls making it more difficult to pick up on the subtle differences in the search uh the second point that i want to disagree with is when you discussed grinding to be able to improve your gear to do that to overcome the game's difficulty curve. Uh, I really, really, really like that. Not because of the fact that I like the grinding, but it means that if I get stuck somewhere, instead of having to just try for hours in order to get the perfect run through of an area or a boss or something, I can just go for a little while, farm some resources, upgrade my equipment so that I stand a better chance of winning or coming, whatever the challenge is. I don't know if they did that specifically with the type of player that I represent who is not as good at this type of game and has less experience with it, giving them an alternate path to completion. I don't know if that was the idea behind it or if they were just trying to do something that was different from Dark Souls. Um, but regardless, I like that. But I, that's very much a player, a player preference thing uh, as opposed to something that it ruins the experience. Uh, and the final thing, and I just want to say I totally agree with you, this game needs more ranged options. If there were no ranged enemies in the game, I could handle that. But there are ranged enemies in the game, and you have no way to counteract that at all, except running. Or you do have, like you mentioned, your little drone that you can order to attack, but their attacks are basically useless until you've been in combat to charge up that power meter. 
Um, really, all it's good for is getting someone's attention if you're trying to separate one enemy from the group. Like a distraction. So it does need... Yeah, it does need some form of ranged well, combat. Isn't a, a lot of the, the weaponry of... pretty much just improvised weapons? So uh, just having guns outright doesn't make sense for character name here. I don't know who the... Uh, if they could uh, improvise something, maybe it would make a lot more sense. Well, the impro- there are some improvised weapons, but once you get past the first area, most of the weapons are weapons. Axes, hammers, actual swords, chainsaws. Uh, I mean, there are improvised weapons in the early Okay, well, bit. you just talked like about a- improvised weapons, so I wasn't sure if you get proper weapon weapons or if it's all just improvised stuff, so... No, you later on. I've gotten a little bit farther. Well, well maybe and this is what some the, of the later well, weapons. Maybe this is what the NRA is trying to warn us against uh, by banning all guns. <laughs> when the cyborgs up rise yeah. up, we won't have any firearms to defend ourselves. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, they came and took our guns, and now they're using them against us. Right. I, for one, welcome our new robot overlords, our cyborg overlords. But yeah, those are the only points that I wanted to make in response to what you said, Kyle. Otherwise, I pretty much agree with everything that you said, or it's one of those things that is just purely up to a player's preferences or interpretation. Yeah, and I don't really have anything to add to this because I haven't really played either game. Yeah. Uh, I I wonder if uh, uh, if, uh, Kyle would feel a lot better about this if instead of being compared to... uh, to Dark Souls, it would compared more to Bloodborne, but Bloodborne is the more niche t- uh, title. Yeah, there's only been one Bloodborne, whereas there's been technically four if you include Demon Souls. Uh, there's been four four Souls it's games. Really, what launched this sort of subgenre of RPG? Yeah. Uh, the people who made the surge, the studio wants you to compare it to their other game, which I, for the life of me, can't remember the name right now. Well, that's promising. Um, but it's the one that's, it's the one that is basically a Dark Souls clone. It's a medieval, hard as nails, punishing combat style game. Yeah, hang on, looking it up. Is it the Fallen? Or Fallen? Gotta go through the Age Gate. Oh, gotta level up a little bit. <laughs> Lords of the Fallen. Uh, I think that's what it's called. Well, they have a few here. Let's see, deck thirteen. Yeah, I'm. I'm not seeing uh, anything that really <laughs> translates because uh, uh, they have Jack Keen, which was an point-and-click uh, adventure, Black Sails, maybe. No, that looks like a point-and-click. No, it's Lords. Of, it's uh, maybe Lords it's just of not on the Steam. Fallen. And you know that's why I don't know. No, it. it's on. It's on Steam, Lords of the Fallen. Okay, there's... Huh, I don't know why it doesn't show up for both. So, Lords of the Fallen was developed by CI or CL Games and Deck 13. Ah. So, I don't know if they split off or a subsidiary Uh, that for some reason is not showing up. But, yeah, Lords of the Fallen was the other game like this that they made. And it was a Dark Souls it's weird that it's not showing up there, but if you click Dick 13 there, it shows up uh, with uh, some of their other stuff, but not everything. Yeah. Weird. Ah, how about that? Steam's tagging system sucks. <laughs> who would have thought that would happen? And who would expect to, for Steam Direct to make things even worse? 
No one expects the Spanish Inquisition. I did. All right. Well, yeah, that's all I have to say about that. And there were no tweets yeah, or so, anything. Uh, so, well, before we hit the music, if you wish to send in an email, you don't have to be as insane as Kyle or have an imaginary sidekick. You can just send it to vglpodcast at gmail.com or tweet us vglpodcast on the Twitter because that's where you usually tweet stuff unless you're a bird. Indeed. Well, it's time for the doobly-doo up in the Discovery queue when we go for the theme song. Yeah, and I immediately get something interesting. I did too. Uh, but I've closed out the show notes, so I need to bring that back up. So you go go ahead and go right, first. I'll go first. So I got the Darwin Project. We saw this at E3 last I year. I actually have a full uh, copy of that. <laughs> oh, do you? Because I got into the beta. I didn't get a chance to play it. And they said everyone that got into the beta, eh, keep it. Which makes me wonder just nice. how are they going to monetize it. Because they gave away a well, lot of copies. This is a $15 early access, or you can buy into early access on it. It released two weeks ago, and it's a Battle Royale game, but it is a much smaller Battle Royale game. It's only 10 players instead of yeah, 100. Yeah, and it's more action-focused, um, so that may solve some of the problems that you're having. Yeah. Which, what is um, the Darwin Project's player numbers? Currently, 727. Not amazing, but... With 1,000 peak for today. That's that's good enough for now. I mean, it is still early access. According to this, it's Uh, got somewhere between 280 and 315,000 Something else that's kind of interesting. Well, well, remember, they gave it to all the beta and alpha people, so... uh, So your uh, owner number is going to be absolutely insane. Uh, something that's interesting about it isn't uh, just the fact that it's a smaller battle royale and it's more action-focused, but they have essentially the director from Left 4 Dead in it, where there's an AI director to be able to do things to try to spice up the action. Whether or not you like that is, well, uh, really a mixed bag, but also they have a spectator thing where streamers could allow spectators to interact with the, their game. So, it's one of those weird Twitch bait-esque games that could work on that uh, side of things. But at the same time, it could end yeah. up just backfiring completely because it, you, know, you need a Twitch audience to make use of that. Yeah. If I recall, isn't it supposed to be like from the Hunger Games, from the books yeah. or the movies, where the people can send them yeah, things exactly. during that's, the match? Uh, that's the, the, uh, the uh, director slash... Uh, uh, observer thing that they have going. They also have I, a commentator, yeah, if I remember yeah, correctly. Yeah, it's actually... Uh, um, I, like I said, I didn't get to play it, but I've uh, seen some people talking about it, where it has a real-time commentator, and the person that was shoutcasting that kind of off-put us is actually in the game. Whether or not yeah, you know, it's, that's a, your thing or not, well, once again... Yeah. Yeah, it's directed by the AI for the game, so we'll. S- I haven't heard one way or the other whether it's good or bad, but it really comes I mean, it down just to just out. well, how many lines they have. Because if it's uh, repetitive, it's going to be annoying as fuck. But then it could also re- be uh, cutting off uh, valuable information if you turn it off. Yeah. So, it it looks interesting. If I could, I don't want to buy it. 
at least not for 15 bucks. I'm very leery of playing Battle Royale games after my experience with Fortnite. Yeah, I wish there was an easy uh, way that, to uh, give you access to it from my account. I doubt it, but... Games like these, I think, need demos that let you play a few matches before you have well, to buy it. I would be surprised if it doesn't go free to play after it goes out of early access, just with uh, them handing it out to everyone. They have to have some sort of monetization thing going on after uh, the fact. Because they yeah. gave up way too put many on my uh, wish free list. sales. Yeah, I put on my wish list. If I could get it for less than five bucks, I'd be willing to give it a shot for that because it sounds like it may deal with some of the issues that I have. Uh, it also just a huge well, boring also, parts. Uh, another thing is that they have a more survival aspect, not just you know, oh crap, I need to uh, stay out of uh, line of sight of things, but also you have to manage your body temperature because it's taking place in a, uh, essentially the nighttime of uh, the long dark where you're freezing to death. Yeah. So you have to occasionally warm up somehow, either near a fire or build a fire, which also gives away your position. It's like I said, it's very interesting. I haven't had a chance to sit down and play it yet. Maybe I should, but because it's so action oriented, it, you know, it's kind of the opposite side of uh, the problem because I don't like games that are too over the top. Yeah, because if they're trying to be a battle royale game, but if it becomes basically any other multiplayer game then you're losing sort of what they're trying to accomplish battle royale feel which is still fairly unique there's a lot of games that are trying to do battle royale modes but only a couple that have really come to the surface so far yeah there's so it's there's actually quite a, oversaturated there's a lot of battle royale games out there that i don't think you realize a lot of very very small indies are trying to put out just a battle royale trying to ca capture something that are, yeah, but there's so many that's just dead by the wayside. So, uh, yeah, I'm sure there's more out there than yeah. I realize, but I guess what I'm getting at is there's only a few that have become or only a couple that have gotten really popular. So the market doesn't feel oversaturated. Yeah, yet. but at the same time, uh, match sizes are a hell of a lot larger, so only fewer can survive. Yeah. So shall we move on? Uh, so yep. mine, uh, this is going to be nearly as long, I hope, because we got talking about Battle Royales and everything. I got Devil May Cry HD uh, Collection, which is uh, the uh, a remake of Devil May Cry, Devil May Cry 2, and Devil May Cry 3 Special Edition in one collection. But there are some people saying that it's having issues at uh, 144 hertz. Uh, it's running too fast, so there's a bug going on with that if you're running ultra-high frame rates. I've never actually sat down and played a Devil May Cry game. I know they're incredibly popular, but just never played them. I've played a few uh, Devil they, May Cry They've been Cry more games. of a console thing, haven't they? Yeah, they were on... I think they've been PlayStation exclusive for most of their... I will say that... Most of uh, the titles... Yo, it's obvious these are very old games just from the screenshots of very muddy textures, very blocky environments. But they're, you know, you're not going to rebuild the entire game. There's no way to do it, but it's... An, Have you... Uh, it, Sorry. Uh, it's uh, always fun to see these uh, remake collections come up on Steam as a way to play games that I wouldn't have otherwise because it's... Uh, yeah, I wouldn't be able to play them. Uh, people bitch and moan about the, the Switch, which, yes, yes, 
I realize. Yeah, we're seeing Skyrim released for the 30th time, but there's also other games that are coming out that haven't been re-released through the end of through the end of time. So you were saying? Yeah, have well for one for this collection, it, the first three Devil May Cry games are the best games in terms of writing and storytelling. Um, the gameplay is still fine on the newer Devil May Cry games, but the writing gets a whole lot worse. They're they're pretty campy. Um, and they're just ridiculously silly and over the top, which is part of their charm. The gameplay is pretty solid. Um, I mean, Bayonetta borrows a lot from the Devil May Cry series. So if you've played Bayonetta and liked it, you'll probably like Devil May Cry. Well, I've never gotten to play Bayonetta either. So. Okay. So this is a complete well, question mark. <laughs> there you go. And I've picked up something uh, else interesting. I got... Oh, uh, you, you got that douchebag. I know what this okay, so I know what this game is. I haven't done this in a while, but I'm putting a game on my list so that you can see it and not buy it. Super Seducer How to Talk to Girls. I can't remember if we mentioned this guy uh, on no, the we podcast. Haven't. I don't uh, really he, talked he's about been it. DMCing uh, reviewers uh, saying that he's a kind of a creep, which he is definitely a creep. What this game is, it's marketed as a way to teach you how to be able to pick up well, women. I will say that is but, true. You just don't do anything he says you should. Yeah, basically what it is, is he's weird and creepy and is showing you how to neg girls, which negging is a way to supposedly pick up women uh, by making them feel bad about themselves. Sort of like... Uh, lowering their self-esteem so that you can bring them home with you it's really shitty it's really manipulative and there's been some actual psychological studies done on negging after it became popular uh, or really widespread about i don't know 10 12 years ago and uh, it doesn't work it just it just doesn't work most of the time whenever you pick up someone by using negging uh, the reason that it seems to work so often is that people are attracted to confidence and if you can confidently tell someone that they look terrible uh, lots of times they'll sort of be interested because you're so confident so if you can walk the line between I'm confident enough to speak my but mind I'm still an asshole. And, but I'm not quite the biggest asshole in the room like if you can walk that line you can pick up chicks but there's so much better ways to do that by just being confident and open and outgoing. But anyways, yeah, this guy is a dick. He's put up several DMCA claims and there was a whole mess with PR and lawyers and things. And there's uh, Jim Sterling did several YouTube videos about this. There's been other people who've done YouTube videos. Just do a quick search on the YouTubes and you'll you'll find out a lot of reasons not to buy this game. Let's put it this I just way. wanted to highlight uh, that it's... It's a uh, FMV game, so uh, YouTube it. If you really yeah. want to see it's the a... absolute dumpster fire. Yep, it's a trash game made by a trash person, and you should not buy it. Uh, well, it's actually been uh, prevented from going on PlayStation 4 like it was planned. Yeah, after... I think it was after he had his little yep. outburst and drew unwanted negative attention to the game. And himself. Uh, so, all right. What was your next I one? I have the Council. This is a rather interesting-looking uh, adventure game from Big Bad Wolf, and, fo- and uh, published by Focus Home Interactive. Uh, not a lot to talk about here. It's just a very 
interesting looking adventure game. Uh, there's some people going back and forth on it though, so. Uh, it is on the more high side of adventure titles. I'm not sure if this is completely out. It says complete season, but yeah, that's tough to say on episodics. It, I do see it's on your wish list, but then again, that just means that you've seen it at some point. <laughs> Pretty much. I will yeah. say that uh, there is some rather impressive uh, old people faces in this, for lack of a better term. You know, very weathered and uh, uh, old people. Yeah. It, this definitely looks like it fits in the double-A uh, uh, category. It looks like it's just the first episode out so far. Because March 13th, the uh, first episode, so... How many games do you have left on your list? Because I'm done with mine. This was the first and two. And if you have, like... Okay, I'm going to start another queue and keep going. I just got Project Gorgon. <laughs> yep, I did not... I wound up not buying that, and so far I haven't gotten a review key. Uh, um, yeah, uh, it, it just throws up too many red flags for me. Ooh. Yeah, I'm not spending $30. Ooh. I, I got something. I've heard some good things about this. Okay, you can go well, ahead. I have first no one. idea how to pronounce this, because... Yeah, but this looks like an interesting JRPG. Oh, Nino uh, Kuni? Uh, well, I, couldn't, I, was, I didn't want to butcher it, so wait, we'll go with that. Uh, this is the second one of Revelant Kingdom. Yeah, always, uh, I enjoy a good JRPG, but there's so many out there that are kind of meh. But this is produced by level five, so uh, looks like it's coming out in a couple days. I have played the first. I never Nino played Kuni. it, so I'd probably focus on getting the first one uh, first, assuming it, it's even Ni on Steam. Nino Kuni is a good game. It's been a, a while since I've played it, though. Unless I'm thinking of another I game. I don't see the no, it first looks like, one. It looks like only Nino Kuni 2 is on Steam. I'll have to look into this because it's. A, a, and it's an, an impressive looking one. Looks like it has uh, some town building in, in it, like Dark Cloud. Yeah, 2010 was the year that Nino Kuni, the first so Nino Kuni, was released. So that puts it PlayStation 3 uh, uh, era, uh, Xbox 360? Yeah. Yeah, PlayStation 3. I played this in college. I had a friend who had it. It's a really cute, fun game. And the first one did have some of that building well, from Dark Cloud in it well, as well, well, which is one of the well, reasons I, I liked the, it. I saw the screenshot uh, mentioning... Uh, uh, some building, so uh, I did like my dark cloud. Yeah. All right. My next game that I found or got on my list was where the water tastes oh, like I've, wine. I've uh, seen some uh, stuff like that. I've I've heard yeah. some really good stuff about this game. It's a, a storytelling game where you travel across America, uh, trading stories with people that you meet. Yeah, right up your there's, alley. There's no combat. There's no combat. No. I think there's some puzzle solving, but it's mostly just exploring and just having experiences with people in the game. The art style is is lovely, very stylized, and it looks like there's different styles based on where you go and who you talk to. Um, I've I've had my eye, well, my ear to the ground about this game for a little while, and uh, I'm glad it popped up on my discovery queue. Okay, well, I got a, another one. I'll I'll do two as well because why the hell not at this point, right? Well, if you do two, then I'll wind up at three. I got well, I got cube two. A, a, a one of the better portal esque uh, 
first-person puzzlers out there that uh, was uh, Cube. Granted, I never got around to playing it, but I'm looking at some of the gifts on this, and it is very reminiscent of uh, Portal-style design, which we've seen so many pretenders to the throne for Portal uh, since it, Valve doesn't seem to be interested in any game that has the number three in it whatsoever. So, this is probably the closest we're going to be able to get, maybe? It's out with a season pass as well. <laughs> what? <laughs> My, the next game that I found. Oh, God. Right. Oh, this is Go so ahead. cute. Oh, no, you were... I'll well, let you I was finish. pretty I much just... winding down. There's not a lot to talk about on it. Okay. Puppies versus the undead. This is a, a very, very cute, cell-shaded board game slash tower defense game where you're killing or where you're defeating zombies with puppies. Yay. It's a, like a toys come to life game. Looks like it's sitting out on a, your, like a, a kid's desk in their bedroom. This looks so cute has a sort of a uh, uh, well clay book it had this style sort of where you're looking down at something yeah that is interesting oh this is another one that looks interesting dead maze 2d mmo game uh where you explore craft and build uh and build to survive in a hostile environment with zombies. Drop the link. Are, are zombie games, like, coming around again? Or maybe you're just hitting a bunch of them. Maybe. I would say Fortnite, but Fortnite's not on Steam, so it wouldn't be getting from there. Oh, it's free to play. Shit. I'm going to install this right now, or at least queue it up for install. So. Find out next week how, bad, how good or bad it is. I got... Blitzkrieg Anthology. This is an well, an anthology of an uh, looks like an older RTS. I don't know when this originally released. Uh, it is being suggested to me due to Company of Heroes, so there is that. So, uh, the German version of it, essentially. Uh, it's. Uh, I'm trying to place just how old this is based on uh, the. Uh, graphics i would uh, say probably uh late knots you know knots late which makes me sound incredibly british uh too, too much bit, too much giggling. mystery hour <laughs> mystery hour i haven't listened to the last few uh but uh yeah. if you're were a fan of the uh, blitzkrieg series there you go and then i uh, never really heard of them so all right, how many are this left in I your have queue? Three. Are you in your second yeah, queue? I'm still in the second. Okay. Uh, and I it, it just gave me a game I hold It off. just gave me a game I own. <laughs> there you go. Like it so much, you'll buy it twice. I didn't buy it the first time. And and no, I'm done. Okay. Me too. I I stopped. Thank you. Well, well, uh, all sorts of uh, discovery cues. Yeah, I got two from the first one. Granted, only one of them was something I was interested in. 
wreck a warn. Don't go near that shit. And then three for my second queue. And Dead Maze, I already downloaded that. It was a 79 mega, uh, megabyte download. So this might be something that I can play on my laptop. But that is our discovery queue. Good win this week, I think. But now that we're through with that, that means it's time to move on to the portion of the podcast where I go first, unless you have anything to interrupt or bring up before we move on. Uh, not really. Uh, should I? All righty. Nope, just double checking. If you want to find my stuff... On the YouTubes, you can do so by searching for Gaming Psychologist. And this week, I, like I mentioned earlier in the show, released that hour-long or 59-minute-long video discussing Fortnite. Uh, Divinity is coming back this week for both of yeah, us. which will be in the past um, by, by now. That is true, but those will be up on the channel. I scheduled all the way up through our current our most recent recording, which is up to episode 75. Yeah, I need to render out the rest of them. Yep. Um, but that's exciting. F- working our way through that. Hopefully, hey, maybe we'll be able to play something like, fresh uh, you know, by uh, 2020. There's only like 25 more episodes left, maybe. Because we, we've, based on what we've looked up in well, like Yeah, we a just guide. looked at our position in the guide, not anything specific. And yeah. We're about somewhere between two thirds and three quarters of the way through and you know we're on episode 75 so hopefully that means that we've only got another 25 or so episodes to go granted we are uh, starting to hit the point where fights are getting uh, either they're drop dead easy or they're somewhat challenging yeah we don't really have a happy medium it's either oh we're just gonna win this and we kill almost everything in the first turn or holy fuck this is Quick, hard and Midori. we almost died <laughs> <laughs> health potion, health potion. Uh, uh, throw Medora at it and have her uh, use the health link so it hurts them. Which is always yeah. hilarious. Otherwise, though, for my YouTube channel, I don't have anything else planned for this week. Who knows if other things I'd like to, but I've got a pretty busy rest of the week. Um, If you want to follow me on Twitter, where you can see all the things I tweet about, both political and non-political, you can do so by following me at JMA4707. If you want to watch me stream games on Twitch, you can do so over at twitch.tv slash jarthur4707. I've been making a bit of a Twitch push. Um, you know, I mentioned this last week. I don't really have any expectations of becoming like a giant Twitch well, streamer or anything like that. Well, you don't want to make $500,000 a month playing Fortnite? I mean, that would be awesome, but I don't want to play Fortnite I think I would, in front of I other people. I think I would go absolutely crazy with the audience that ranks. I hate backseat gamers. I'm okay well, like, if someone seat? wants to watch. Yeah, that's fine. They can give me a handy at least. Uh, wrong joystick. But, uh, <laughs> I'm okay with people or watching thumbstick? play games and talking during the process, you know, interaction, that's fine. But I hate backseat gamers. I hate it. it drives me nuts. And I don't think I have the... The right mentality to put up with it. But I do, you know, I like doing this as a hobby, and I like the opportunity to earn some pizza money, pizza well, and beer money off the back of it. So. Jerks. I've been been moving over to Twitch for that. Um, I'm doing a lot of scheduled streams uh, or, or scheduled content that premieres live on Twitch and then just goes into, like, your rerun queue. That's been pretty successful so far from, from my perspective. Uh, I ran... 
the entire Wolf Among Us playthrough that I recorded for Game Club a couple months ago. That did pretty decent, uh, at least in my opinion. Uh, average of like 9 or 10 viewers per episode. Um, I'm running new videos that I would also put on YouTube on Twitch first, and then they come up on YouTube. I'm thinking about taking Divinity and going all the way back to the beginning and re-uploading that. Although there might be some issues because you can't download videos off of your YouTube channel if they have copyright claims filed on them. And some of those videos do have copyright claims filed on them for reasons. And I don't keep a backlog or Not a local that far back. backup <laughs> I, I, that far yeah, I back. I usually yeah. hold a few weeks. I keep the last 10 episodes on reserve just in case, and then they get cycled through. So I might use like a YouTube like clip downloader or something to pull down the whole mm-hmm. video. I don't know. I'm thinking about doing that. But I have added VGL podcast stuff to my Twitch channel, and it's the first thing on my like at the bottom of the channel where you have like here's all the rest of my stuff the vgl podcast is the first link um also the podcast is going to start running live every tuesday night at around the time we record so the previous week's episode will be running while we're recording i'm looking at my divinity i don't see any copyright claims See, I had a few that got copyright claimed back in the really old videos, I, like in the first I'm 10 I'm looking or, at the entire 20. run from one, and I don't see a single copyright hit. Well, YouTube copyright has never been consistent. Um, But anyway, so a lot of stuff is going on over on Twitch. I want to do some more live streaming, but since I decided to make a push that direction, I haven't really had any extra time to live stream. Um, I've had a lot of stuff that I've been working on. Yeah, that's why I like. We've uh, been getting our taxes that's why ready. Like pre-made content. Well, for one, yeah. harder backseat gaming. Game me if um in the past. Well, yeah, at least with that attitude. Uh, but also, uh, I could set up most of the stuff ahead of time. Granted, uh, well, uh, we'll get to, uh, to it when I get to my stuff. Yeah. Um, but. Anyways, twitch.tv slash jarthur4707. There's a lot more stuff going on over there, and uh, I hope it does well. I did have one odd thing I tweeted about. I had 2.3 I think it was two point or 2.4 viewers on one video, and that was not average viewers. That was total viewers. And I was like, how do you get 2.3 viewers? Uh, it's weird. Well, they uh, uh, prescribed to the old style of census where the slaves are only part of the, a part of a person oh boy that seems problematic well well look at um, it this way that's better than one time i had a negative view count on a video someone actually successfully unsolved one of my videos uh, i'm not even mad that's impressive <laughs> uh but anyways uh, if you want to find my last thing, my Steam username is jarthur4707. I accept all friend requests from the lovely listeners and love to have lovely conversations with you about all sorts of things. Some of them lovely, some of them not so much, but hey, that's okay. And if you want to let them know exactly what episode of the podcast you're coming from, the password for this week is Woodgrain. Oh yeah. Woodgrain. 
or just you know to get uh lg uh, uh the lazy game reviewer extra hard <laughs> i've been watching a lot of his videos yeah, here i love his thrifting stuff i recently discovered his oddware series i don't know how i've missed that because it's been going on for years but i discovered that the other day and i've been watching those videos a lot that's a fun series you know i think at some point we're gonna that's have the to kind sit of down s- and uh, because we've done podcasts we should do that never youtubers and i have we should more do than that. a few cooking uh youtubers i've watched uh which may interest you so maybe but speaking of youtubers uh, uh, let's talk about my stuff first uh all right. so i mentioned uh uh well having a problem and it's civilization i'm not in a no-win scenario but at the same time i'm at the point where it's not exactly fun to grind out and I've uh, sat and I've looked at the uh, yeah looked around and thought about this, and especially with some of the other stuff I could be doing instead. And it really comes down to: Do I want to do something fun or grind out civilization and have pretty much Kyle uh, comment on "You're doing it wrong"? <laughs> uh, and I'm I'm leaning towards just starting something new, especially with uh, something I got today. Let's just put it this way, a uh, continuation of a series that I did previously. Okay. And I won't say any more. Uh, granted, you know, you could probably uh, narrow it down just by looking at my li- uh, my uh, YouTube library, not my Steam library, because good luck. Right. Uh, so I'm I'm leaning towards doing that. The other option is to just to fire up Hol- Hollow Knight and you know, play that for the next few years. And we'll race to see who finishes uh, what. Me, Hollow Knight, or us, uh, Divinity. As you, gotta remember yeah, to turn that off. Yeah, on yeah, Tuesday you nights. never turn that off. Uh, so, uh, yeah, I'm uh, torn on what to do, but likely just going to drop Sip because I, I'm not in an unwinnable situation. But it's just not as fun to grind out and really just Kyle showing up. Uh, n- nothing against Kyle, but he's a little crazy. <laughs> then again, maybe I should uh, play it just to entertain Kyle because you never know what he'll do. I'll, I'll, sh- I'll wake up one morning and there'll be a Kerbal on my chest. Yo, brah. <laughs> uh, What's up, brah? But let's see. RimWorld's still successfully ongoing. I haven't killed everyone yet. Just Katie. <laughs> uh, actually, Katie and Ghost Shark are dead. Yeah, Ghost Shark was a nudist. <laughs> Turns out going into battle without armor? Bad idea, but... Also, I should have fell back to my secondary defensive position, and I didn't. And he was the only one that was... It was either him that was the only one that was shooting, or one other person that was able to shoot. So I was just leaving them to try to pick off the uh, enemy that was shooting. And he took a shot through the chest, uh, hit a spine, spine gone, he's dead. Yeah, armored vest... Uh, sh- uh, should go into battle with an armored vest at least, but no, somebody wounds about constraining clothing. Well, what about a constraining coffin, huh? I seem very passionate about this. Well, he was a decent uh, colonist. It, it was. It's more that he pissed everyone off be- uh, because uh, people liked him, and now everybody was sad for a little bit. But they got over it. They had some tea and you know talked it out. Very therapeutic. We'll just see if Chemist is uh, better at dodging bullets. Because he's next up on the name list. 
Uh, and of course, since you mentioned it, I'll mention it as well. Divinity is coming back. I'll have the next three upload. Just need to set them up on my channel. Uh, we'll be releasing them pretty much at the same time. Should be good to go there. Uh, Sunday Sampler should uh, be good as well, depending on you know, if, you know, what I get, of course, because that's always a question mark until about uh, Thursday, usually, unless I get something absolutely amazing. Which, if I do, you can find that over on Gaming with Caffeine Rage, or just see me tweet about getting absolute jack shit over at Gaming OCR with who knows what else. But if you wish to tell us what you wish to talk about, you can email us once again, vglpodcast at gmail.com with your letters, voicemails, gaming-related topics, and you do not have to be insane to be able to do that. Do not let Kyle be your litmus test. Or you just tweet us, vglpodcast, if Kyle has scared you. Have I picked on Kyle enough? Uh, sure. <laughs> for right now. Okay. Uh, but if you wish to pay for our absolute madness... You know, our own brand of insanity, you can do so. Patreon.com slash VGL Podcast, which has paid for our website, VGLpodcast.podbeam.com, which has our 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 RSS feed, our 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 I went seal for the for a moment. They never go full seal. <laughs> uh, next uh, thing you know, I'll be urinating on uh, teenage girls. Oh my. <laughs> what too far or is that R. Kelly? I was uh I don't listen to that type of music, so I get the artist confused. Neither do I, so I don't know. <laughs> well, well, we do know that the president likes to be on the receiving end, so let's just stick with that. Uh, our RSS feed or our show notes uh, is at uh, uh, vglpodcast.podbean.com or if you were still uh, uh, on iTunes, you could uh, review us there because that would help. Or do so on Google Play as well as Stitcher or wherever Jared has sh- uh, shoved us. Our intro and outro music is on the ground, and doobly-doo is our discovery key music, both by Kevin McLeod. You can find his work at, at computech.com, and let's get the hell out of here before we uh, it, 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 before <laughs> we piss off anyone or piss on anyone else. Because as always, <laughs> as his lovely music starts to roll across my voice, bye bye now. Bye-bye.